SpecFicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast with hosts E.G. Holyfield, Christiana Ellis, Chooch, Viv, and Nuchus. Well, hey everybody and welcome to episode three, season four of Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. First off, we have to say Douglas Lawson. It is 9.05, and we'll start when we want to start, damn it. <laughs> and you'll like it. No. Um, yeah, we were just we'll building the suspense. Yes. And stuff. So, hey, everybody. Um, we had an episode Sunday. An episode that, um, yeah, a little different than the first two as far as uh, exciting moments. But it certainly had an event that we're going to be talking about uh about in detail, I am sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I am PG Holyfield, and I am joined as not always, but most times by the full cast. Hi, everybody. Chooch, how are you doing this evening, sir? Hello, sir. I'm very well, thank you. Awesome. Christiana, you had a good week so far? Busy, but yes, otherwise well. Otherwise very good. good. Tough. Okay, we won't go to an half hour, so we will not have any any grumpiness, except maybe from Nutty. She's already said. She promises, promises. I will be very grumpy, <laughs> and I want to keep this short, too, because I'm still recovering. Never <laughs> recovering. And Viv, how are you this evening? I'm good, I'm good. Awesome, glad to hear it. So, uh, the Breaker of Chains. Chain Breaker. Um... General general comments uh, from everybody, or general reaction to the show. Uh, Chooch, how would you feel about the show? Pretty good. Uh, a little heavy on the You're on mute, I think. Of course I am. <laughs> it was pretty good. A little heavy on the exposition side, but yeah. it's not like things didn't happen. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Not my favorite, but good. Yeah, I was going to say something along the same lines is that it was an episode where they were definitely laying foundations of other stuff to come. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like a good episode, but not a holy crap, Joffrey's purple episode, you know. <laughs> Joffrey's purple. <laughs> yes. It's amazing how his face cleared up for his uh, for his uh, funeral, not funeral, but his viewing table there. Oh, the sisters do good work. They do. Yeah. Hey, Christiana, in general, how'd you feel about the um, episode? Well, I think it's to be expected that it's a slower episode, just generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you know it was just such a big event for Joffrey to die that you know there needs to be sort of a you know it an empty space for that to resonate in while everyone kind of figures out what oh it's like what's their new what's their new focus here. Uh, what right. do they do next? And so it's kind of expected that it would be a little slower, and so I don't really fault it for that. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk plenty about, you know, the, the big controversial scene, but, uh, Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, I thought it was like, even that scene aside, I feel like there's a theme this week of people that we either like, or, or at least kind of like doing bad things that we wish they wouldn't do. And I don't even just mean, you know, the, the Jamie and Cersei scene there's, but it seemed like that was a whole theme of, kind of just sort of everybody's compromised at this point. 
Right. You know, sometimes it's against their will, but doesn't make it any less true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Nutty? Um, there were it was it was pretty average for me. There were a couple of awesome scenes, and then one scene just kind of tainted the rest of it. Uh, which I'm sure we'll get to right yeah. very soon here. Uh, for me, uh, I thought there was like two or three just wonderful, wonderful dialogue scene, you know, scenes between two or three people, uh, which we'll talk about. Um, I thought there were a couple of just really lazy writing points that we'll get to that I just was like, you know, either they, they kept something exactly like it was in the book and they wrote a line in or a line or two in to sort of justify that. But, you know, just completely went against logic. Um, and a couple other things, but we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, um, I mean, overall, again, uh, not as, as strong for reasons, uh, already stated, but, uh, you know, definitely the grump factor is a little, a little higher on this one than, than, uh, than the first two episodes, which, you know, I thought were as, as our votes indicated, uh, nearly perfect for, for, for our, our scale anyway. Um, so, I say we just jump right into the scene so we don't save that till the end when people are tired. What? Before we, yeah, I'm not muted. Before we do that, uh, the opening, what the hell was that? The opening? The very beginning of the episode felt like a previously on, except it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. So the, it opens with Cersei still yelling at Tyrion mm. and him being dragged away a little bit. You know, the ports and all that nonsense. Well, but I mean, only I mean, the last episode ended just with him still standing there and her saying, you know, get him, get him or whatever she said. So like all of the stuff of close the ports and all that. So that was all new. I thought it was just an element of saying we're starting right there where there's no time passed. It's just right there. I didn't for me. It was like. Cut to this, cut to that. It, the way that it was put together it was like a previously on, not like an actual scene from the show, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you see Tywin, then we cut to something else, we cut to something else, and it just seemed really choppy and sloppy and not not what we've seen in the past. It just, it seemed really rushed. I don't, I don't know. It was very jarring for me. I think they wanted it to pull you straight back to that tension and kind of like the shock you felt last week. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, maybe if I rewatched it, but I I didn't I didn't feel that way watching it the first time. Well, maybe it was just me. I just was like, what? No. I mean, I, I do I I think it could have been not handled better, but I I I think that they could have um there there was only it a little a little differently and and not they, I mean, they did repeat a couple of things and it may just be that that Cersei was just repeating, you know, like she was at the end just sort of repeating herself and stuff. There, were, there was only one really jarring transition for me, and that was the sudden fog. That yeah. one, that one, I thought was a bad, a bad cut. Um, but that, that, that one really, that was the only thing, I, only one I noticed. Right. Um, so, how to tackle the the scene in the sept? Um, I guess we could do it with first starting with uh, how Christopher Morse is asking in the uh, Q and A. Um, Jeremy, Jamie, and Cersei. Rape, not rape. Does it matter to you either way? 
Um, for for I guess I'm going to start with Chooch because he doesn't have the book uh, influencing how he might mm-hmm. have felt about the scene. So how did you feel about the scene in general, or you know how it happened? Did it make sense? All that? Did you feel it was rapey? Absolutely, hundred percent rape. She was said no stop no stop this is wrong i mean she didn't hit him but she yeah did not, did not seem consensual or i don't know if perhaps it did become but i just it, i i was pretty shocked it was just kind of the south park god damn it jamie you know? <laughs> <laughs> um so when she's and and it was i thought as she's saying it's not right um, there's a lot of things she could mean by that. Is is it that because they're on top of Joffrey? Is it because he just <laughs> yeah. died? Um, is it because it's incest? Is it because she feels she's cursed that you know she's she's losing everything to you know like maybe the the gods are cursing them for it? I don't know. It, it seems like it'd be a lot of ways, and and it seemed like she mm-hmm. didn't recoil. Because at first they were kissing, and she didn't seem to recoil until she felt his hand, his metal hand. Yeah, I think it's interesting. That's something I didn't. Yeah, they they sort of hid that, or it wasn't filmed very obviously. Like the first time, I didn't really notice that it was sort of his hand touching her face, and that's why she recoiled more than just wait, we're kissing here in front of my, you know, our dead son. This is wrong, which is sort of the feeling I got the first time I watched it. Once I saw the, you know, the gold then it uh that that made a, a difference uh to me in that but um christiana how did you feel about the rapey not rapey well question? i mean to uh, my mind the, the, there's no question that it was rape i mean she initially is kissing him but like the instant she says no then that's right that's that's it but mm-hmm. um and and so i was really surprised at some of the things that like the director said where like even if we want to admit that there's some emotional emotional complexity in the relationship between cersei and jamie and and say that there's more factors at play in theory that does not really come across in the scene like i i rewatched it specifically after reading the comments where he's saying, well, it kind of becomes consensual at the end. It really doesn't. No, yeah. the, the very last bit of the scene is her pushing his face to try to get him away. That's like, that's, that's happening at the end of the scene. It's not and like she's actually into it at the end. And she's clutching the fabric, like for anything to hold on to. She's well, he's heavier than she is by. Well, they do that now. in sex scenes he's in movies where the woman or they get into it when they clutch the, Sheet no, yeah. Here's here's the thing though for me, and this this is an important distinction that I, I feel like a, a lot of the people that I, I I've read who are talking about this are are not framing it in this way. I'm not saying I'm the only one to feel this way, but uh, to my mind, let's take let's set aside for a moment anything that's outside the world of the show itself, like things like the director or the actor would have said and just say, just, this is the stuff that has happened in the show with the character or whatever. I feel like people are upset 
not necessarily because, oh, is it rape? Is it not? Because it clearly is. But they're upset because a character that had started a redemptive arc has done something so clearly against that arc. Mm -hmm. And that's upsetting. But this is something I've thought about in, in regards to other shows in the past is that sometimes in a story, something very upsetting happens and it's easy to have the line between I'm upset because of something happened in the story that I, you know, that was upsetting because it, you know, either hurts characters I, that I like, or, you know, something genuinely upsetting because you have empathy for the characters and everything, but then to take that and put it external to the show and to imply they shouldn't have written it like that. Right. Right. To my mind, those are two very different things. And right. so we can talk and, and I think both are worth talking about, but for my purposes, I was surprised that they would change it. And yet kind of like what George R. R. Martin said about it, they changed the timeline of when Jamie has come back. Right. The dynamic between them is different. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that even if he's been on this redemptive arc, this is still the same guy who pushed Bran out a window. Yeah, for Cersei. It's the same guy that, despite his oath, is, and despite the fact that it is obviously compl uh, complicated, when he's last talking to Brienne about it, he's basically saying, What do you want me to do? I'm, you know, I'm off the hook because I can't do it anyway. And so, I, Something that uh, is not unique to the show Homeland, but really resonated with me at the end of this last season is just this idea that no man is just one thing. Exactly. And so to my mind, I believe that Jamie in the show would do what he did. And is it a good thing to do? Of course it's not. It's awful. It's rape. It's no question about that. I believe that the character would do it. And so therefore it is a story development that I am curious why they have changed it from the book. And I'm interested to see if they are going to spin that off and do something else a little different. For example, remember in season one, they changed the first, uh, you know, the wedding night between Drogo and Daenerys. They made that more like rape too. But what happened later in that season is they kind of took that and made it about how she sort of took her own power back from him. It wasn't just offered to her. And so it became a relationship of equals because she made it one, not because it started that way. And so, you know, we could de debate which is better, but clearly they did something with that arc, I suppose. And so maybe they're going to do something with this one, even though it's different than what happened in the books. Now, all of that said, I could be either happy or unhappy with the story development, but I'm not angry that it's something that happens in the show. That said, I am still perplexed by some of the things that the director has said where he, right. he implies that it becomes in any way consensual, even near the end, because you watch the scene yeah. and it does not. She is still trying to push him away, even at the end of the scene. So, Okay, yeah. so we have a question. Did the rape happen in the book? And there was a sex scene in the set. The timeline mm -hmm. is that Jamie and Brienne get there the day, I believe it's the day after Joffrey dies, essentially. And the first time he sees Cersei is they're alone in the sept. He's kicked everybody else out. And it's the first time they've seen each other. And she immediately is saying, you know, um, you have to kill Tyrion. You have to kill Tyrion. 
and then they get into a little back and forth about that and then they have it, there's there's a bit of that scene where uh it's kind of like Jamie's pushing and Cersei's saying no but then she does clearly relent and then immediately afterwards she starts in on him again you know what are you going to do about Tyrion so the sex in that is consensual although to me it seemed as if she used it as a manipulation and in the book to me um I didn't see any consent at all on her so I know Nettie is dying to say something, though. Well, for for me, in in the book, um, the, there are some lines in the show that are directly from the book. You know, right. it, it's not right. I don't care. Yeah. She says those things, but it's mm-hmm. not like at the end when he's forcing her in this horrible, horrible fashion. And by the way, yeah. anyone who says, oh, by the end, it's consensual. Let's let's put this right there on the table. Not only do we have Cersei saying no, but we have Jamie saying I don't care. So I don't it's not care. just that it's not consensual. He mm-hmm. knows it's not consensual. And right. that is a huge distinction that I think is very important. Um in the books, she says these things, but it's, you know, we're in the sept, our son is right there. Although she does miss him, they haven't seen each other for a very long time. There's lots of passion. It is definitely consensual, and it's a sweet scene. And much like add, Deanna, go ahead. Can I just say real quick? I forgot to add that um, Joffrey is actually wearing armor in the book. In his face, yep. there's a helm, so you don't see his face. His yep. little blonde hair isn't sitting there. You know, you don't yep. see anything physical of him from the description in the book. I'm sorry. Please go ahead, Nettie. Yes. No, you're right. Uh, that That is a very important distinction. Um, and it goes back to the whole, like, the Silent Sisters that weren't that good in the books, but they are in the show. Yeah. <laughs> but when when I watched it, you know, much like Christiana said, you know, I saw it and it's like, whoa, they, they changed this so much. Like, I, I knew it would be different yeah. because he was back in the city already. It surprised me, and then as I'm watching the scene, I said to myself, this doesn't surprise me. And you know why it doesn't surprise me? Because of what they did with Danny and Drogo. Because for some reason, women are not meant to enjoy sex. It's okay to brutalize women on TV. And you may think I'm being a bit extreme, but if you look at the censors when it comes to getting sex scenes approved in movies for ratings... If a woman looks like she's enjoying it, it becomes NC-17. And if it looks like she doesn't want it or isn't enjoying herself, it's rated R. Um, oh, nice. It's, it's, you <laughs> so can watch awesome. Many documentaries. Uh, there's God. this whole scene from Sucker Punch that was removed for the very same reason. Um, oh, the, the, the director said, well, that just ruins the, the whole point of the scene, so we're just going to remove it. Um, so... Yes, I was angry, but at the same time, I said to myself, this is what TV does. You know, they, they take something that was good, they take something that has complex emotion, and they tear it down, and they give us this, which I can't, I, I am having difficulty, and, and I will admit this, I am having difficulty separating book Jamie from show Jamie, because book Jamie... Yeah, he'll sh- throw Bran out a window and he'll kill whoever. I don't think he would ever rape Cersei. He might do something to other people. He'd never get an erection for any other woman. But he, he may do other things to other people. He would never rape Cersei. I would expect Tyrion to do that before Jaime. 
Well, so, the thing that right? I, can't... I, I, I mean, I don't want to tell you. No, no, I'm, I'm just thinking something completely bizarre. Well, <laughs> to to my mind, yeah. he didn't in the books. Yeah. But the situation was also different yeah. because yeah. bear in mind that the whole thing, in my mind, what he is thinking in that scene is. She's rejecting me because she thinks I'm weak now. I have to show her that I'm not, and then she'll know. She'll take me back like she was. She'll love me like before if I can show her I'm still strong. And I don't think that's justified. It's still awful, right. of course. No, I but can I see that's, that's what he's doing. Right. And I could absolutely imagine Jamie from the books in the same situation, behaving the same way. It's still a departure from his path in the books but it's also you know what redemptive arc is ever completely a straight line and we also don't really know you know we've seen a redemptive arc to this point in the series but we don't know what the end of the line is oh no you know, I, I agree is, with that I, I feel like even though he is I mean he's got his own code so to speak, but right now he has had everything that defines him taken away from him. And he thought coming back to King's Landing, at least I'm going to be back with Cersei. And then she is basically saying, I only loved you because you were good with a sword. I don't like you now. You're weak. You what, took can you, too long. what good are you? You took too long. Yeah. And, and I think that even though it is terribly and horribly misguided, he thinks that if he can show her he's still strong, you'll love him again. I, I, I think get that's why that, he does it. that course of thought. But what I was saying is like, for me from the books, it never, it, it, it does not seem like a line that he would cross. But that's not to say that Jamie is innocent and I'm not defending him because honestly, there's a lot worse things that he would do. And I think he'd be willing to do that to other people. It's just the way that he thinks of Cersei is so different in the books than what we see in the show. Yeah. So it's really conflicting for me. Yeah. For Cersei mm -hmm. in the books, she it, uh, sees Jamie as just her. Yeah. So like when she has sex with him, it's like masturbation. So it's not incest. It's it's weird, it's twisted. The mm -hmm. whole thing is just, I, I did not like how they changed it. I would have rather them not have them have sex at all, if anything. Heck, well, I, I would have been better seeing him beat her up. Look, the, it was shocking <laughs> to us as readers. I'm sorry, PG. I know you have opinions, too. But it I was am never going to interrupt women when we're talking about rapey conversations. So. <laughs> It you was guys, shocking you guys have the floor. Readers. It was shocking as us to readers when they had sex in the sept with dead Joffrey. It mm -hmm. was shocking to me. I'm sure it was shocking to pretty much everybody else. Every time there's been some major event in the book, they have amped it up for people that have already read the book and know it's coming. We knew Joffrey was coming. We didn't plan on them putting Jamie and Cersei so that he dies in their arms. That added an extra oomph to it. You know, there were diff just different elements that they did. They, you know, the at the red wedding. Uh, as we said before, Talissa wasn't there and there was certainly no baby stabbing going on in her belly. So they've had to amp it up. And this is a pretty huge way to amp it up, having him rape her right there on top of Joffrey, practically. I mean, mm -hmm. 
how else could they amp it up besides something so dramatic and shocking and to prove to us that yes he's on a redemptive arc but he's still really fucked up and daddy just disowned him mm -hmm. and he's lost and the only person he's ever had to cling to was Cersei and like Christiana said Cersei was rejecting him because suddenly he wasn't good enough when all he had done was everything he could all the deaths and all the murder was to get back to her so they they could feel whole again and to find out that she didn't feel that way broke mm -hmm. him i think he just snapped yeah because when you say uh -huh. he that <laughs> when you say he didn't feel that way about cersei i would agree nutty before she's acting like she's acting yeah mm -hmm. the cersei in his head would never treat him that way mm. Well, like I said, I, I admit I'm having a hard time separating the two in this instance. Usually oh. I can, you know, my, my big complaint to somebody who says, well, it's not like the book. Well, read the book. Well, the book is better. <laughs> you know but, what I keep loving is I kept I, looking. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that I'm having difficulty. And I understand that that's a shortcoming right there. I just, I no, still it's not a shortcoming. It's a reaction. Or, it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's an emotion. And it's. It's a very controversial thing, and they knew they were going to stir the pot with this and, and incite this kind of debate. So yeah. your feeling is your feeling, and you're representing other people out there. So, PG, what did you think? Oh, I get to talk now. No. Um, okay, uh, don't all, get smart, Mr. Uh, Holyfield. Uh, I can make it stop. Um, first, I want to uh, just say for the rapey question, I agree. Uh, Nicole and the... Uh, in our audience says it scares me about humanity that there are people that consider that not rape. Those people need to be thrown into a pit with a bear. Um, there are people one, that aren't sure that the book had rape. I mean, wasn't rape. You know, the book is more ambiguous, but I would also uh, I, see I've, I've heard some people say, Oh, clearly it's consensual in the book. And I think that was more ambiguous too. Yeah. I think it was more the, procedural, but anyways, sorry, JPG. Okay. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, and actually uh, Sheriff Bullock brought it up in the uh, in the chat as well. Uh, one thing about the book is that it is from Jamie's point of view. So some of the the um, prose that we're getting is from him, and if that you know that that the the fact that it's coming across as um, as consensual in part could be because it's from Jamie's point of view. So right. he would, he would see it as consensual no matter what, but exactly. I don't, you know, That's but the book, the book itself, I, I, I do think it's more consensual. And again, the idea that again, they've changed the timing of everything of when Jamie gets back, you have the scenes and you assume off, off camera scenes of her pushing him away, saying you're too late, that sort of thing. So that you have that piece of it. You have the ideas that he, as Christiana said, you know, he's, um, he has lost his hand and she is using that as a, as a reason to, you know, be standoffish. You have the idea that she just went through this whole thing of, you know, you need, you need to kill Tyrion. And then she, uh, you know, pretty much starts kissing him saying, please, you have to do this. You have to avenge him. And then she turns away. So all these things have, have, uh, you know, build up and then he just, you know, snaps. Um, the one, the idea, I don't mind having it be rape. I, of course I hate that the rape occurred, but the idea of those in the story that this happened, because um, they have done this arc 
the start of a redemption story and, and uh, for him. And I don't, I don't mind. It's sort of the idea of, can you have a character with a fundamental flaw and still root for that character? Right. So I liked exploring that idea with this character as far as, okay, this is the man that pushed Bran out a window. Right. Now he's done this. Can, can you still find reasons to root for this character? Which is in the books. One of the great things is you have characters you hate at the beginning. You end up loving them or rooting for them later on. And then this is, you know, yeah. can they do that successfully as well in the show or as successfully in the show? And that remains me seen. So I don't mind, right. I, I, actually look forward to seeing how it progresses what i don't like and and um nicole brought this up in the chat as well is that they're backing off the director and the you know and whoever has spoken saying well mm-hmm. you know it could, you know it can be seen as consensual and that sort of thing uh, and the only things you could even say that you know that there are seconds of of the scene where she's kissing him back when they're going down to the ground even though she's saying no and that she's like, you know, rubbing on his arms and stuff, even though she's saying no, but even, even so she has said no. One of her last gestures in the scene is going like this in his face. Exactly. Yeah. And also in the book, she was on her period too. So, I mean, again, I say, how else are you going to amp up that sex scene? Chude, do you have anything (laughs) at all that you wanted to say about the rape, non-rape? I can't remember if we interrupted you or not. Oh, no, no, no. I got, I got everything. I, I agree. That's totally right. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, as far as Jamie's motivation, you know, PG was just saying um, the whole redemption factor. Mm-hmm. We've had a similar conversation with friends, uh, a friend that didn't want to watch Scott Pilgrim initially because he'd started reading the graphic novels right. and found him to be utterly unredeemable and unlikable. And so he never gave Scott Pilgrim another chance for a really mm-hmm. long time. A few people, so, yeah. Yeah, so like, it, are you thinking as a non-book person, you haven't read the books, mm-hmm. um, are you thinking that he's, you know, he's just gone down this disgusting path and he's irredeemable? Or do you, I mean, like, have you given up on him at this point, like PG was saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He should, he should head to the wall. <laughs> he should head to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> they take rapers. They do, they do. Incestuous yeah, um, rapers, even. Uh, yeah, my friend Kevin, who hasn't read the books and we talked after every episode and, and he was just, he was, he was flabbergasted that they, that he went, you know, did this. And the idea, the idea being, you know, he's completely irredeemable now. And so, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how, how that, uh, uh, how that progresses from here. Well, if I may, uh, we've seen other characters in other sci-fi shows go this far or further and still come back as fan favorites. So as upset as people are, I will not be surprised if next season we hear people cheering on Jamie. Well, I I think anyone ever saying that a character is irredeemable, it's like, well, you haven't seen the rest of the story. You don't know. Think about Theon. Uh, you know, I mean, there are at you know before some of the stuff that happens to him, people would have considered him irredeemable. Many people did. Many people maybe still do, despite all that's happened to him. But at the same time, I think a lot of people find, I know I do, that despite how awful some of the things he did were, you get the sense as he's undergoing all these trials at some point that you start feeling for him again. At least I have. So 
I think it's I think it's a mistake for anyone to ever in the middle of a story declare that a character has become irredeemable. Now, at the end of the story, you may conclude, yep, that was the thing that did it. I never liked him again after that. But when the story hasn't played out yet. Well, so what then, I will say the next episode, Tywin Lannister could wave a magic wand and he's been doing everything for the greater good and well, he fixes everything. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like when they when they work on a character personality trait, they're going down this line and they're supposed to make us question whether or not Jamie mm -hmm. can continue going the right way now that he's away right. from Brienne and Catelyn Stark, these very stoic and honorable women. Mm -hmm. Like, so my my thinking is like when I saw the change, you know, I, I wasn't happy about the change exactly, but given the strength of the show to date, absolutely, I was thinking I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Now that said. If in the next couple of episodes, everyone just brushes past it like, oh, yeah, well, you know, no big deal. That yeah. I would be really surprised and disappointed by. I don't think that's going to be what happens. But then I, again, I was also surprised by some of the way the director described it and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's I, I, I feel like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they were just trying to express some of the complexities that we've talked about, but they just phrased it in a really unfortunate way, given yeah. that this is such a, a controversial, intense issue for so many people and for very good reasons. But I think, unfortunately, he it might have been some really unfortunate bad phrasing that's turned awful. But then again, it might just be that he really doesn't see the problem and that would be awful. I hope that's not it. Yeah. Oh, God. So, I mean, it's that because that's the thing is that like before I heard some of the responses from the director and stuff, I was all prepared to tell people like, OK, well, it's different than you expected in the show. It's a change, but let's see where it's going to go. But then some of those responses were like, oh, I I don't I'm not sure we're on the same page if after all. <laughs> You know, the most annoying thing for me was, was, you know, there's a controversy and I was like, well, let me go and see what different viewpoints are like. And the first three things that I was linked to through Facebook and Twitter were blogs by people that had never read the books and had not been watching the show and hadn't seen the episode and didn't even see the rape. And they were giving commentary on how wrong it was. And it's like, just because rape is wrong doesn't mean we're not going to talk about it in books. And it's like the same thing with murder. We talk about mm -hmm. them during wartime. There's rape. There's lots of fucking rape. They're made, they've made excuses since the first episode, the first season. Men get their blood up when they're fighting and, and they're at war and they'll just rape anything in front of them. And mm -hmm. so, we, and I mean, is it really surprising in this culture? Are we shocked that people rape other, you know, when they've defeated and conquested yeah. and whatever? We know there's rape. And is it, is it, does it seem like an, an it seems like a lot of rape, I think, unless you're a woman that's been raped and then you're like, oh, there's way more rape going on than what he's showing even. Mm. And it's, it's one of those things that it, it invites a conversation. It's made Jamie way more complex, far more interesting. And he's, I mean, it's not like. I think it's I think it's different from Theon. Theon in the in recent times has gone through a really complex thing, but previously he was just going through a little hardship and being a whiny bitch. You know what I mean? Um, I I agree with everything you just said, but I think it's also worth noting that I think it really is a thing 
where some stories have started to take rape and make it just just a plot device and not have it just be reflective of the world building and all of that sort of thing or realistic or or you know you know so any story can be written well or written badly so we're not talking about anything that's universal and applies to every single case but there are plenty of stories i think on tv in movies or wherever where they're thinking hmm we have a female character and we need to have something bad happen to them oh i know yeah. And so they get raped and that's, and that's why in the show. And I think that's kind of shitty. So yeah. I think while at the same time, we don't want to ever say that like rape is somehow this thing that's not allowed to ever be discussed in a story because that's silly too. But I think we can also acknowledge the other extreme of sometimes rape starts to just be like this crutch of lazy writers of, Oh, we want to have something bad happen to a female character, so that's what happens. Yeah, I think what some to something Viv said a second ago. Um, it was Matt Wallace on Twitter had said, uh, "Thanks, book readers, for letting me know this rape wasn't in the book, unlike all the other rapes." <laughs> you know, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you were talking about just you know rape as a um, as a crutch or. or you know, something that's that's sort of leaned on in certain things. I remember uh, one of the first fantasy books that I read that that um, had sort of the antihero was um, uh, Stephen R. Donaldson's uh, uh, the Chronicles of Th- Thomas Covenant, and the main character in this is this person from from modern day Earth who is um, who catches leprosy because he he some things that have happened to him, and he. He ends up through events being transported to this world, and in this world, he's basically cured. And in the act of this magic that cures him, and he, he sort of gets control over all his faculties, he ends up raping this woman that that is with him because of he he completely disbelieves. He believes it has to be a dream because it can't be real. So he doesn't think there's any consequences to what you know what he's done. And this is the main character that you know at this point. There's been nine books, and, and sort of that whole arc of this of these novels is can this person who has done this completely horrid act be redeemable and be the hero um of the books and uh, that just sort of reminded me of that here so um nicole is always a pleasure and she she <laughs> makes me laugh uh the first being uh outlaw sept, outlaw yeah. sept! <laughs> and then the phrasing uh, are we still doing phrasing oh we're um, always doing phrasing honey <laughs> And then uh, Sheriff Bullocks with the brother raping sister in front of the in front of son's corpse in a church sex. Remember the good old days in season one where it's just simple incest. Ah, simpler times. <laughs> yep, just incest. So are we done talking about rape? Because I think we I all so. just hate it. Can you clear that one question out? Because even as a joke, it's not appropriate. Yeah. I don't want yep. to name him, but yep. Let's not, uh, let's not, even though you're trying to make a joke, let's not do that. Um, so I think we've, we've covered that scene as, as well as we mm. can. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I uh, imagine there will be continued fallout. So, you know, even yeah. if we're done for tonight, I 
imagine will yeah. there will be. I can't wait to see what's, what's going to go on. Yeah. So did did Baelish poison Joffrey? <laughs> how do we know? Question. We only read the books. We haven't read the fucking script. <laughs> he certainly <laughs> seems to have more information than we do. Yeah. I, I want. I want to. Do you still think Bronn is involved? Um, no, it, that that successfully put everything on Baelish for me. Although it could be a coincidence, he just wanted to steal Sansa away. But the timing seems awfully coincidental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you certainly I, I knew have... it was going to happen if he wasn't the one who made it happen. Mm. Mm. We have. We have. We haven't quite gotten to the point where I am going to make a major damn complaint about something. If you know, we haven't get quite gotten the, the what will probably be revealed very soon as far as other code stuff. Uh, necklace. Yeah, yeah, but, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and then we don't have Mas- to Mas- uh, no. I won't say it. I'll stop anyway. So, yep. um, sweetie. I have a nitpick complaint, and then I, you know, we. I mentioned this briefly earlier when um, when Nutty was talking about jarring editing at the beginning. I didn't notice it especially other than this, but mm. it is a clear, like the sun is setting, but otherwise it's clear day. She <laughs> gets in the rowboat with Dantos. Two seconds later, it is deep, deep fog, and everything is just completely shrouded in fog. And I'm thinking, A, where'd that fog come from? B, how the fuck did they find the boat in fog like that? <laughs> so that's a yeah. nitpick because yeah, I don't it was mind, cool I don't to have the scenes the... happen in the fog, but yeah, that was a yeah, little I don't mind the time lapse photography and the you know saying, okay, now it's nighttime and it's gotten cooler, so there's fog, but yeah, just the I know exactly where to go. But since we're I, talking I about the scene Santos <laughs> a non sailor can find the boat. Yes, yeah. thousand gold dragons though that'll make yeah. it. Yeah, since yeah, since we're on the scene, we've already mentioned the necklace and the and Dantos. Uh, my mm-hmm. my big nitpick, and I know it, it's much cooler to have uh, you know crossbows shooting down and 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 killing them mm-hmm. in the boat and all that stuff, but the idea of him saying, "Oh, I better get back before they notice I'm gone." Right. This would be the court jester who has been, you know, shat upon for the last however many years it's supposed to be now. So the idea that I wouldn't <laughs> climb the ladder to get on the boat to escape yeah. or just row off somewhere else, but the idea I better get back before they notice I'm gone. Yeah. That's yeah. just ridiculous. Um I don't, you know. I, I well, didn't know that maybe somebody needed I mean, like, entertainment probably... in these sad times, you know, and if he wasn't there, <laughs> he they would have called him out. That's probably what Littlefinger told him the plan was. Yeah, I think he made him feel like he was more important than he really was just to get him to go along with the whole thing, just fed his ego. They're going to need to know that you got to go right back, you know. Yeah. My, my nitpick out. here, my nitpick here is that um, in the book, the way that it was done is this happens as they're climbing down a rock face or whatever, <laughs> and it's just Baelish and Dantos and Sansa. Baelish has one of his sailors or one of his guys on his boat shoot Dantos while he spills the entire plan to Sansa, really, because he's worried that Sir Dantos is going to talk. But now he's got a whole crew of people that have heard everything and saw that he killed Dantos and saw that he has Sansa. Like, 
this just doesn't make sense to me because he's just opening himself up for exposure. And that guy killing Dantos is like, wait, is he going to kill me next? <laughs> That's like the beginning of uh, Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. I really like Christopher Morse's comment. Little fingers like Pigpen. He brings fog with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to say I'm so glad to have Littlefinger back because although he's a complete yes. bastard, he's perfect bit um like you know there's that the tv trope of the magnificent bastard bastard mm -hmm. and i think tywin certainly embodies that but so does Littlefinger. Mm -hmm. and uh even though he's awful he's awful in a way that i love and so i'm glad to have him back on the show because it's one of those things too it's like you know you don't want to ever get spoilery but you always want to say haven't seen Littlefinger in a while yeah. He's maybe up to something, you think? Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering why it was taking so long to get to the air. <laughs> like, wait, isn't that a big actor? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing I, I, it's not a nitpick because I just think it's funny. The, the line where he tells Sansa, um, oh, it looks suspicious. You're running away from the wedding feast. And, and it's like, yeah, because you brought me here. <laughs> but, you know, of course, she's not smart enough to put that together or at least say the words, you know, so I just thought that was funny. Well, I mean, I think maybe, I mean, Chooch, did you buy that she would run off with Dantos like that? Because in the book, they gave you a little more background on why she'd be so mm -hmm. willing to just run off with this guy. Mm. Yeah. Well, because I think in the book, wasn't it already part of the plan that she was going to be running off? It wasn't well, a yeah, response to Joffrey. It was wood. already supposed to be. They'd been meeting was, in the Godswood. Yeah. And she wasn't supposed to talk to anybody about it outside of the Godswood because it was the only mm -hmm. place that wasn't being monitored yeah. bullshit. But, um, you know, it was this whole Jonquil and Florian thing that it was mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, he was this knight, you know, this guy that was going to rescue her and save her yeah. from this horrible life. And, and I think that they fell way short of that on the show. But I'm curious to know what yeah. you think about Sansa's. Was Sansa thinking quite right when she took off with him? Yeah, I didn't really give it a second thought. I think it was just... Even though you didn't know where he was taking her at that point. Yeah, true. I think it was just time-wise that, <laughs> you know, and that's obviously why they had, you know, the scene to give her the necklace that yeah. she got familiar with him and remembered him and feels sorry yeah. for him and what happened to him. And she's shocked I mean, at what was... happens to Joffrey and yeah. it's fight or flight instinct, you know, and here's a friendly face with yeah. a plan. I mean, I remembered when they showed the scene where he went to her with the necklace and said, you know, this used to be a family treasure. Give it one more moment in the sun. And at that moment, she was she had found out her, about her mother and her brother, and she was still just painfully grieving their death. And then here's somebody that needs a kindness, and she can actually grant a kindness to somebody, even though she's feeling such despair just by wearing a goddamn necklace, you know, and how that must have buoyed her spirits being raised the way she was. Oh, Christiana didn't agree. She stormed off. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just leaning down to pet my uh, pet my dog. That's all. <laughs> so, anyways. So yeah, so we have the return of Littlefinger, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens next with uh, mm -hmm. with these two. Um, let's get back. Well, not to Cersei, but uh, in the Sept, we also had our first sighting of Tywin. Actually, second, um, we had Marjorie and Elena before that. We can do that. Yeah, let's let's do that. That was a short scene, so let's go over to Elena and uh, Marjorie. They have their discussion about uh, 
Uh, first, Marjorie is a bit upset because she's feels she's lost a chance of being queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, she uh, Olena, you know, says basically, "Hey, there's a still we still have a a there's still a, a need for the Tyrells and Lannisters to work together, and there's a younger son, and then you have the the uh, segue to showing Tommen and the Sept. But uh, um, what else?" Uh, what else about that scene you wanted to, to mention, well, Christina? I, I think what's um, one thing that's significant about it just generally is, you know, we have Elena being very pragmatic about the whole thing, but in particular, the way Marjorie is ask, acting makes me, you know, because we, we still don't have the full story on the show, but at the very least, she seems genuinely surprised and even upset by the developments. And so it seems like we can rule out her as being... Um, knowingly involved, at least. A suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I, I did like the, the Elena's telling the story about seeing her dead husband. Um, I just thought it was, it wasn't, it wasn't strange. I just thought it was weird. And I don't even know weird. Just the, that what happens is she's telling this story and she's like, and then I saw him laying there on the slab or whatever, however she worded it. And then she just like paused for like five seconds, like, and Marjorie was sitting there like expecting her to say something else about it. And then she just sort of changes the subject and <laughs> moves on. I just thought that was funny. But uh, yeah, so um, <laughs> so wh- while the marriage was not consummated, um, and I did like the line about the, uh, it wouldn't be a good idea to press your claim right now uh, mm-hmm. with uh, what's been going on. So yeah, but um, pointing out just as like. Just because this happened doesn't mean they don't still need an alliance with us. So, mm-hmm. yep. So Tywin, uh, I really love the first scene with Tywin um, in the Sept. I know some people I read complained about it, you know, being a, you know, sort of a too long of a scene and and that sort of thing. I just thought it was great, just the way the fact that he is completely dismissed Joffrey as a, you know, just as a in every yeah. respect. To the mm-hmm. point where, okay, here's Tommen. <laughs> I need to start teaching you now exactly what you yeah. got to deal with and everything. Well, and, he knows and, he fucked up with Joffrey. Well, well he I, doesn't I feel he's he fucked wouldn't. up at all. Yeah, um, just, I think he would he, say he left Joffrey he, and Cersei's and, and Robert's hand. That's what. That's how he fucked up. Oh, okay, right. Well, okay, but he would never true. own that, though. He oh. would only. He would always just say, "I I got here too late, and they had ruined him beyond yeah. repair." but I'm not going to let that happen this time. So uh, he would never say it like I shouldn't have let them do something. It would always just be, they yeah. screwed up because they're stupid. I don't think, I don't think he w- takes personal responsibility for mistakes like that. I think he mm. only blames. I, what I loved though, about the, this whole conversation is how everything he's saying makes perfect sense. Completely true. We would even agree that you know the wisdom is good listening to your advisors especially if you're a child is good um joffrey was a bad king and but at the same time that all of those things are individually true you can summarize the whole little lecture as do what i tell you or you're going to end up like your brother (laughs) bad king yeah, so I, I love that that's the ultimate lesson of that whole speech. Yeah. <laughs> and I did love the whole walking off, talking about 
how to make babies with in his own special way. <laughs> well, I think he'll he'll get a much better birds in the peace talk from Tywin than he would from his mom. I, I don't think Tywin's gonna talk about painted horse. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um one thing I wanna ask um now for those of you who haven't read the books, in the books, Tommen is a little boy. And I'm pretty sure we're not going to get any scenes about Sir Pounce and his other kittens and all the cuteness that we got in the books. <laughs> what do you think about them aging up Common so much? Like, do you, this is going to be completely new territory. So for me, I'm excited. But at the same time, like I said, I'm going to miss the kittens. What do you guys think? I think they had to after they had to age Sansa and everybody else that was about to get married or you know, get their fucking moon blood or whatever the fuck they called it. Um, <laughs> whatever witchcraft. But I mean, like, they had to age him or else it would have been so creepy to see the same little kid that we saw Cersei almost poison in the throne room. To see mm-hmm. him standing there being coached about being the king and Elena talking about Marjorie having an easier time with him than with Joffrey because he's so mm-hmm. much sweeter. That would have been fucking creepy as shit. I'm glad they aged him. Thank God they aged him. Well, it was creepy as shit in the books. I mean, mean, it was. It was, but I mean, the visual aspect to me, I did not expect it to hit me as hard as it has this entire series. Yeah, you you, you talked about, um, yeah, the aging him and and does a... Or does it bother bother us? Uh, won't get into into details, but there's definitely things that happen later with him, and mm-hmm. that I'm certainly glad that he's the age he is now, uh, um, based on you know the things that that go on. So yeah, we probably won't I'm, I'm have your counts. Yeah, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what Nadia was saying. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I I suspected they they just figured they needed an actor who is going to be capable of a little bit more range, and they needed an older kid to be able to handle that. And he's doing a great job. I think so far this season, Mm -hmm. we've seen him a couple of times and he had the nice little uh, smile at the, the, the play uh, last time before realizing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's making fun of my uncle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's how he is in the books. He's sweet in the books too. I love Tom and I'll miss their pills. (laughs) where we are in the books yeah christopher moore says glad they aged him up no more worries about really young child actors so that's true you don't know what they're gonna he also says um these are superstitious people at what point do they burn marjorie at the stake because her husbands keep dying (laughs) which is a is a is a good point um but i you know again like no spoilers but i i would also just say that you know that that fact is not lost on other people well, even Marjorie says it. She's like, I'm cursed. But if you think about mm-hmm. it, twice now, the husbands that she had, there were a lot of people that were pretty happy they were gone. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, but, you know, you start find, thinking it's like, well, who's the most happy that they're gone? Me. <laughs> <laughs> All of the viewers. Yeah. Roz. I don't know. I think Renly was okay. He's, you know. Oh no, I was just talking about Joffrey. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Glad Joffrey's gone. You know, I certainly. Miss uh, the the if we can leave there. The later scene with uh, Tywin is is after uh, the first scene with Oberyn. So let's let's do tackle that one first. So we have Oberyn 
in bed uh, with his his procurer and uh, Alaria and two ladies. And um, mm-hmm. I'm getting a little tired of of having the main actors and actresses being clothed while everybody around them is naked. So, um, you know, let's let's get uh, yeah. some let's get over well, and uh, naked. Yeah, mm, equal right opportunity nakedness, I think, is uh, very well. You know, lots of butts and penises in this episode, though, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did have the equal opportunity there, so. Um, but we have, uh, you know, discussion again about uh, um, Oberon's pansexuality and, um, um, you know, the reason I like the line about, um, you know, most people have a preference, and he says, "Well, that's uh, how did he how did he put it?" He said, um, uh, "Then everyone is missing half the world's pleasure if if they something like that." Yeah, right. I love it. I love Oberyn. He's so awesome. Yeah. His outlook is amazing. It's it's what I wish I had um, because I just I think that's such a, a great way to look at things. He's fantastic. Go yeah. Oberyn. I also just was really happy to see him in a conversation with Tywin just because I feel like just you know we can just take another moment to say how awesome Charles Dance is doing it playing Tywin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean really amazing I, I feel like I read someone who said I would like to see a whole episode where all it is is following Tywin around as he makes hard bargains with all the other characters. <laughs> Agreed. And I'm like, yes, those are the best scenes of the whole run so far. <laughs> it's, it's like, let's just have Tywin go and talk with all of the other characters, you Agreed. know, have one-on-ones with them. But I, I loved this yeah. one too, just in the sense yeah. of um, it's all subtext, right? Like mm-hmm. they cover some of the actual issues sort of, you know, glancing blows, but they're having a more formal discussion. And yet it's so obvious that they both know they're really verbally dueling each other is to sort of say, let's see who can make the best veiled threat. Yep. (laughs) Um, By the way, I have to like, as soon as I read it, uh, Christopher Morse in the Q and a, uh, Oberyn is the Captain Jack Harkness of of Westeros. <laughs> that yes, is, yes, absolutely. that's an excellent parallel. I'm going to put this out to the Beyond the Wall fans. Anyone, please submit to me an Oberyn Martell Captain Jack Harkness slash fic. <laughs> I want to read that. <laughs> and it can happen. Um, I kind of would like to read that too. <laughs> Mike McCauley asks, uh, just to clarify, Hi, Tommen Mike. is Tommen is also a product of Jamie and Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, Chooch, let Chooch answer yeah. this. Chooch, what do you know from the show? Oh yeah, that the, the seed is strong or whatever. He's blonde. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Stannis is a Lannister. Marcella too. Yeah, Marcella and uh, Tommen are also Jamie and Cersei's. That's why Stannis mm-hmm. says that he has the right to the throne because they're bastards. Was was mm-hmm. it said in the show or is it just the books? I'm I'm having trouble remembering. Or was it alluded to that that Jamie uh, Jamie sorry uh, Cersei just kills killed any of Roberts? Oh, um, well, she has a big discussion about the with the child that died and yeah, um, yeah. you know, yeah, you, hey, you, did she say that in the show? 
I don't recall. No, I don't think okay. so. Maybe it was a book thing. Is there was the more recent thing this season of her dis her discussing um, with Kyburn that her her <laughs> symptoms and Ooh. whatever his treatment has cleared them up. So wow. that, that could have could have been it. I assume, but that's uh, what that was. yeah, I don't yeah. think they've had it be explicit um, yeah. otherwise though. Uh, on the oh, uh, Christopher Morse also says on the subject of consensual sex. Do you think Taiwan really wanted to join Oberon and Company? Uh, I hmm, I think I think no, but I don't know. You just sort of feel like someone that repressed has got to have something going on. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you know he's like What's in his closet. He, you know, I'm I'm just remembering how offended he was when Elena was kind of like, oh, you know, it's something boys do growing up. You never, never, not with a no, person or a friend. And he's like, no, never. And I'm like, ah, well, you know, so he, he, I think he would, he probably has some secret thing that he does, but he wouldn't ever do it with someone else or like, so the thing is, I, I think that uh, the, the problem is he's such a power trip guy. He would need someone who was not going to challenge him as being an equal. Hmm. I don't know. He might, he might be. Yeah, he might be tied up. Being uh, dominated, you never know. Well, what he also might be thinking, though, is that he represses all those urges for the good of the Lannister family. He might resent family. other people who don't feel like they have to do that. My thoughts on Tywin's sexuality can't be discussed until later. Ah, there we go. Yep. So Agreed. Christopher Morse has another comment. <laughs> I think so Tywin's waters run deep, so to speak. I agree. Yep. Isn't waters uh, the bastard name for the Riverlands? Yes, it is. Yeah, I thought it was river. Yes, it is. Hmm. Well, there's Wa river, waters there's is water. one. Um, waters, snow, sand, sand stone. Imaginative people. <laughs> there is a waters that's named. I think one of the phrases is a waters. One of yeah, I feel like that, that sounds right to me. Mike says he sees Tywin using safe words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like the, um, I mean, the scene It's as well um, sort of comes out. The you know, We have the earlier discussion with the, actually, it's not the earlier discussion. They're discussing the upcoming trial. And he uh, asks Oberyn to be the third judge, along with uh, uh, himself and uh, Mace Tyrell. Mm -hmm. uh, sort of works in there, you know, sort of the political side of that, as as Christiana was saying, and um, you know, the idea that maybe he'll, you know, be able to meet up with uh, the Mountain, arrange mm -hmm. a meeting. So that that certainly is something. Uh, third Mountain. We'd like well, to see. There's also the moment where he just categorically denies that uh, he gave those orders. And then there's just that long moment of, I'm going to look you in the eyes and see if I can tell if you're lying or not. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Leave me alone. I'm having a stare off. <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah, he kind of realized it doesn't matter. You know, his poker foo is strong. And so. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to um, Nicole. Oh yes, <laughs> I'll be in my bunk too. Mm -hmm. The um, yeah, I didn't. I was gonna say you you threw me off Blue with the bunk is comment. Mine, Nicole. Yeah. 
Yep. Bomb, um, like right now. Dang it. <laughs> clear my head. Clear my head. <laughs> um, no, I used a sign so it wouldn't get on the audio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for me. By the way, no better. I put signs up for the viewers, so that's another reason to come watch. No, I was trying to figure Blushing. out it was about the judge and the. Blushing. What was the other thing? Stop, Viv. <laughs> Give me a hard time. Uh, oh, what was the other thing? No. Raising. Does that get you? Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I remember now. Some of the things I, know, I, I, had I really. For this. Damn it! Stay <laughs> quick. Got... You'll forget. No, the uh, some of the things I hated about the blocking and then the filming of the rape scene, uh, you know, just things that couldn't really tell, like the the hand touching the face. I just loved how this scene was filmed. Um, you know, like you were just saying, the the pause after him saying categorically, you know, that had nothing to do with it. And then at the end, him extending his hand to sort of saying, "Do we have a deal?" And they they cut away before there's any handshake. I just thought that was uh, that was all handled very well well filmed and everything mm-hmm. um, so yeah let's go ahead and move on to uh, Dandor and uh, Arya Nicole just said can it be Balticon now Yeah. <laughs> yes it can it doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem to be working keep, keep trying keep trying so There's the Hound and Arya Again, a lot of the scenes in this uh, in this show, you know, really good, you know, moments. Uh, and I think this whole the whole scene, the comedy stylings of Sandor and Arya is. Um, <laughs> I love is, them together. Road trip. Yeah. Ah, Sheriff Bullock, Viv giving PG a hard time is one of the reasons I love this podcast. <laughs> you know, it seems to be. Seems to be everybody's favorite pastime. Giving me a hard oh time. my god, Chris Morse. Read that one. You guys Endorin. are standing faster than me, I think. <laughs> Endorin, it is not hands we shake when we make a deal. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Sorry, we couldn't move on to Aria and Fender without reading that one. <laughs> um, I, the Going... On to Arya, though, Arya and, and the Hound, I think this is, you know, we hadn't really talked about um, the other characters that fit into what I was saying earlier yet, but there there was a lot of characters in this episode for reasons of their own doing things different than we think they ought to do. And I think that this, this sequence with Arya and the Hound is a good example of that because we're kind of starting to like the Hound, right? You know, he's kind of starting to be the anti-hero best bud of Arya sort of thing. But but then it's revealed in this episode that, you know, Arya was maybe kind of starting to feel that way too. But then he basically just reveals like, nope. Either that or it's it's kind of like we were saying earlier with Jamie is that no man is just one thing is like, he is maybe those things too, but then presented with this situation, yeah. you know, no person's arc is going to be a completely straight line. And, uh, you know, so he was tempted and he gave into temptation and she was very disappointed, but I think also horrified to realize that her, that they only ended up learning about the silver 
because she earned the farmer's trust with her story. The farmer never would have invited them to stay if she hadn't spun him this tale. Mm -hmm. And so she's realizing that not only did um, the hound, the, it wasn't just the hound stole the money. Hound was only in a position to steal the money because she lied to this farmer. Mm -hmm. And so realizing that even if it was not her intention, she is complicit in what happened. Right. right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I do. I, I, before, we can keep talking about it, but I did love the line um, that Oberon says um, where he's, he's talking about, um, he, he says, some believe the sky is blue because, uh, and because we live inside the eyes of a blue eyed giant, which is, what Rob said to Bran uh, back in season one. I just thought that was a, a great line, callback line Aww. there. Um, so yeah, uh, interesting conversation where they're talking about, um, um, you know, what Sandor might do uh, after he drops off, you know, gets paid. Um, she he basically says he might go, Book passes across the narrow sea and fight as a sellsword and talks about uh, hooking up with the second sons. The second which sons, yeah. I thought that was cool. And then she says she could go to Bravos and he's like, why would you want to go there? And she's like, oh, I have friends there. He just sort of scoffs at her. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I love the mention of the second sons, by the way. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's that was cool. Very cool. And he's and then, the second son. Yep, and the pray. <laughs> yeah, I like the prayer um, before the rabbits do. Mm -hmm. Just the comedy of that was was hilarious, and just the the idea of him being upset about not having ale in the house. Mm. Um, I didn't realize how very hungry they had gotten until they start eating <laughs> the rabbit stew. I until mean, Arya. Think, yeah, like they're Sandor gulps everything down right. like he's never had a meal. But Arya, she she had just been eating twigs and stuff, and yeah. you're like, okay, yes. no big deal. And then she's just wolfing. Huh, sorry, accidental mm. fun. She's wolfing down the rabbit and unable to really control herself. And I'm just sitting here going, wow, they're they're really hungry. And while she may be outraged over the stealing of silver, it makes you think they're really hungry. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I, you know, I I don't want to bring bring that other scene up too much again. But bring it. I'm just thinking, you know, kind of in the same context that I was just thinking about. What what happens to Arya here, and to some extent us as viewers, is we kind of realize the folly of trying to. We, for us to try to define who someone else is. Arya is sort of thinking that she can create this little narrative where he's her buddy and, you know, where this tag team, uh, you know, adventuring through the wilderness and, you know, we're, we're partners in this scam where we're going to tell him th this story and then um, and maybe get some food out of it and then go on our way without having hurt anybody and he's just demonstrates like that's not who I am. My identity is not dependent on 
what you wanted it to be. And I think without wanting to blame anyone for feeling this way, I think that's a little bit of what happened with the people who are so upset about Jamie. And I'm not saying it's an illegitimate way to feel because it absolutely is. I wouldn't tell anybody that they should feel differently than they actually feel. But I would also just suggest that part of what's happening there is a reminder that if you kind of have in your head a definition of someone and then they act outside of that definition, it's very upsetting. And so I'm again, I'm not saying it's wrong to feel that way, but maybe also just it's valuable to recognize that that's what's happening. I think you're spot on. Um, it, it actually reminds me... Um, you see this in relationships, you know, somebody gets into a relationship and they try to change someone and then they get mad that they don't change. It's kind of like, it's also like uh, Life of Pi. If anyone's seen Life of Pi or read the books, the idea of placing human characteristics onto animals and then being upset when they act like animals mm -hmm. because they're, it's a tiger. He's going to bite you. He's going to leave you. He's not going to say goodbye, you know? And I think that you're, that's what I'm seeing here. It's, it's, he's the hound, you know, he's <laughs> not your big brother. He is not Jon Snow. And no matter how kind he has been to you, to expect him to change so drastically, it, it, it is, it's a failure on your part. It's a failure on the viewer's part. Not that, you know, Arya is failing. It's just, it's what mm -hmm. we do. We, we have animals. We uh we give human characteristics to it and then we're constantly reminded that they're not that way. And the same thing happens with people. You know, we think that this person is changing and so they will conform to our morality when in fact they are only going to be in their own morality. It's not right. to say that they can't change, but Well, right. Like yeah. feeling the silver is still a failure on the hound's part. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not like he gets let off the hook because it's just in his nature, but it's also just an aspect of we have to remember that we cannot control the behavior of others. We can only control how we f feel about it or how we respond to it. And, and, and so for Arya, you know, it's not that stealing the silver is okay because it's in his nature, but it's a reminder to her that she should not assume that he's going to behave in this way just because she wants him to. Right. And it's yeah. also sort of a reminder that the people who succeed in this world are the ones who can be pragmatic and, you know, not follow these conventions of honor and, and, you know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. The fact that he's, he's like, you know, they're going to be dead by winter because this guy, I'm not going to protect this guy for the next six months. He's going to, you know, he's going to get killed, but next time, once we leave, if even if we did stay, so we can get some use out of this gold. Yeah. How many Starks have to lose their head before you start learning these know. lessons? I love that. Oh, that was such a mean thing to say, too. <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, you know. <laughs> but true. Well, yeah, I mean, see, that. Well, see, that's the horrifying thing about the, the scene, Why? and I think for her is her recognizing that there is some truth in what he is saying, but also just seeing how, what that mindset leads to is mm -hmm. it's one thing to say, well, you know, he's just going to get killed anyway. And so we can make more use of the silver than he can, but that's, and it's, I mean, it's, it's an incredibly arrogant 
point of view, which mm -hmm. doesn't make it 100% incorrect. Right. But it can be partly correct and still completely wrong morally. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we need to move on so we don't go into ah. two and a half hour range. So <laughs> uh, let's jump over People to Sam. To drop off. <laughs> uh, I do do want to keep things moving anyway, but we have Sam and Gilly. Mm -hmm. there, there are a couple Aww. scenes here. Um, you know, first we have the scene. <laughs> I just love the, you know, you, you, you see Castle Black and then you have Raper, 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 <laughs> Ninth Son, Raper. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we yeah, have... Thief and know, Raper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both thief, thief and Raper. Uh, we have Janus uh, and... Alistair Thorne giving Sam a hard time. Sam the Slayer. Nobody believes him, of course. That's but at least you, at well, least you uh, get the, the knowledge that the story has at least been told. So at least you know you get the idea that he has shared. You know this stuff can kill these uh, mm -hmm. others, even though they may not believe uh, that he actually did it. So well, I I I sort of feel like I I don't know. We'll we'll have to see if they're going to do anything else with it because it might be that this is only the like this is all we're going to get as far as Sam mm -hmm. the Slayer. Um, but I would also just tend to think that um, Thorn and Slint are hardly the people to go by if we want to know how oh, yeah. everyone feels, right? <laughs> you know, those guys are just, you know, they're they're jerks by nature, and so you know they're. Like they they would be inclined to give him a hard time even if they did think it was true, and we just got back a, a whole mess of people that might give us a different reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do I do love Janice Slint because he's just he's just so such a douchebag, insipid and a douchebag, but like just follower. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you know, in that scene, he's like. <laughs> Just ready to, you know, whatever Alistair Thorne is saying, he's going to agree with. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make a joke about, you know, Gilly the whore, you know. And then, but in the next scene, like, or the later scene where he's like standing there and they're saying, oh, we've got to go protect these or avenge these villagers. And you, they show like the split second of Janice Slint looking at like, like, yeah, everybody's saying we need to go out and kill these guys. But then Alistair Thorne says, we can't do that. We have to stay here at the wall. And he's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's just like he's going to follow whatever anybody else says, even though he's supposed to be one of the leaders of this group. So, mm -hmm. But uh, back to Sam and Gilly. They, uh, uh, Sam has the scene with her where they're um, pulling feathers off a goose or whatever they're doing. And, uh, um, you know, he's basically talking about, feeling scared for her, worrying about her because she, uh, she's the only woman there and doesn't mm -hmm. know how he can protect her there. Um, um, yeah. but I just love, I, I did love that scene and just the idea that, that he almost says, I love you. And just that pause and, and see the thing here though, with Sam is that like, I love Sam. I know he's got good intentions here, but if you think about what he's doing, it's so mm. paternalistic and it's like, you know, despite the fact that you're a grown woman and a mother, I know better than you. And so I'm going to make you leave somewhere where you know someone who you like and trust, where you feel safe, where you're going to be cared for, go stay in some crappy little town 
It's full of drug users and meth heads, apparently. <laughs> um, and I'm sure rapists. To sleep on some filthy rags and work as opposed to, like, I mean, it's one thing to say, yes, there is potentially a real threat at Castle Black. But it would also be worth perhaps talking to her and saying, this is a potential threat here at Castle Black. What do you think? Instead of just saying, <laughs> I know better than you, therefore. And I know Sam has good intentions here. He's not doing that on purpose. But I did still feel like he was doing the wrong thing here. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. I agree completely. I mean, what she had to lie down with with that baby was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Can't spell Molestown without molest. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right. You can't. I, uh, I only I noticed that in my notes, actually. <laughs> I I just think Sam is horribly stupid because he's like, oh, I gotta keep you away from the rapers. Meanwhile, they're at Castle Black, where you know, if you're caught raping somebody at Castle Black, that's a little bit different than say, oh, I don't know, going to Molestown and hiring a prostitute. You bring this girl to Molestown. Well, yeah, but you trick got, her out. I mean, She's when it, have a choice. But you've got to remember where Sam comes from. He went straight from being the little sissy boy on his dad's estate to being the sissy boy at the wall. I don't know that he really understands. Mm -hmm. Anything Maybe. other than the fact that his dad made decisions for the family. Mm -hmm. So he was going to make decisions for not his family, not his family, but, you know, mm -hmm. his family. Well, like, so so how, about, I, how about the idea that he wanted to move her there because he was whittling up at night thinking about her and he th thinks maybe distance away from her will keep himself safe as well. Think that crosses his mind? That's I mean, like she, like she says at the end, this is easier for you, isn't it? You know, right before she. Well, I I'm sure that that's an element in the mix. You know, like I don't yeah. think that would be the reason, but I'm sure that it's it's a spice flavoring the overall this decision making process, mm -hmm. right? And and well, wasn't that also right after we heard that the other guys were still up at at Craster's keep raping and eating mm. and shit? I mean. He's worried about what the crows that may come back may do to her, too. Well, I don't think we had heard that yet, though. No? Okay. That, yeah, was that was later. That was later. Well, but, but he um, saw firsthand what was going down when well, that Well, it's certainly happened. true that he knows yeah. that plenty of the people who are there at Castle Black are there because they're rapers. I mean, that's a fact. Yeah. And he knows that. So, again, it's like I don't, I don't blame him exactly. I understand yeah. why, he, why he would feel that way. Um, given his background, his upbringing, um, you know, all the all the stuff that he's been through. Like, I understand where he's coming from. That doesn't make it the right call, in my opinion. It's a little bit like, um, I guess it was early season three, right, where they have come back to Craster's now, and she's had the baby, and it's a boy, and she's worried, and he's like, well, are you, have you named him? It's like, why should I name him? And and so she's trying to give back the thimble, and he's trying to like, oh, I was trying to do something nice, and she's like, what good does a thimble do me? Yeah, <laughs> you know, look, if you're gonna really help me, then that would be appreciated. But I don't want you to stand here, make small talk, and then leave feeling shit. like you did me a favor. Yeah, 
And so I think that's a little bit like what's going on here is that she kind of need, I, I wanted her to kind of stand up to him a little bit and just say, and I mean, she, she kind of did, but didn't really fight it in the sense of saying, you're not asking my opinion here. You know, this is, you know, this is, this is not you respecting me as a person. This is, this is you deciding that it's your job to protect me, which, you know, you can appreciate the sentiment at the same time that you feel like he's making the wrong decision and I don't want to be here. Well, and the dynamic changed from he's going to rescue her and her baby because he would have died. He didn't know how to make a fucking fire. He would not have survived all the way back to the other side. So, I mean, it it had changed from what it was initially, which was a rescue, to more of teamwork. And then he tried to, I think, switch it back to that. And it was hard for her to swallow. And hopefully, that's not the last we see of her. Hopefully, oh, we'll yeah, I, I, fine. I think so. But, yeah. Uh, so finishing up at the wall, we have uh, uh, the return of, uh, of uh, Gren and uh, Ed. I was so worried Makes about Gren. happy. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, we hadn't seen Ed and I missed him, but Gren, the last time we saw him, it looked like he got stabbed in the shoulder during the fight mm-hmm. at Crestor's Keep. So I was yeah. worried that he might be dead. Yeah, me too. They just forgot about, oh, dang, we forgot we stabbed him. Oh, well, he's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they were not in good not shape. So <laughs> no, they were not in good shape. Um, so the, 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 yeah, the, the, the mangled duo get back. They, they explain that they were, um, you know, in chains uh, and bringing back the chains title there um, that they escaped um, that they're holed up uh, with, with Carl leading the, uh, the mutineers staying at Crusher's keep. I loved Ed's comment about, you know, bet those girls never thought they'd miss, uh, miss Craster. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was stability at least. Yeah. yeah, just one rapist as opposed to how many? Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. And, we had, um, <laughs> and then we had uh, in the first scene with uh, John and, and Alistair Thorne, he, he sort of backs up Alistair Thorne saying, you know, we can't go. Uh, we can't leave the wall. We have to protect the wall, you know, mm. with everybody we have. But then um, Alistair Thorne says, we can't, we can't go, you know, send people out to Craster's Keep to take care of these mutineers. And John's like, uh, yeah, we do. Cause they know how many people we have here. And if the wildlings get there first, you know, the only, the only fear that they might have of attacking the wall directly will be gone. If they only know that we have a hundred people here. So, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 I, I had a little bit of a, a nitpick with that. Um, one was just like, first of all, it, it it this is a new thing to the show. It didn't play out quite like this in in the books, but like they've already established that the Mance has got wargs. He's got wargs sending evil eagles over. Like, how would they not be able to find this out already anyway? It's, I mean, and, and not only that, but he also knows that there's a wildling raiding party you know, on this side of the wall already that could have been spying on Castle Black Mm -hmm. already and might know this already too. Now, it's one thing to say it would be much easier for them to be sure, but you would also have to say, like, anyone out at Craster's, all of their information would be, like, a year and a half old 
at that point. Right. They don't know, you know, what, you know, they knew what it was like when they got there, but, you know, when they left the wall, but uh, they wouldn't necessarily have the up-to-date information. And besides, Mance could get the up-to-date information just by having a work flying eagle over Castle Black. Um, so I was, I felt like there was a little bit of fudging there that I didn't appreciate, but it's a minor complaint. I didn't have a big problem with that. But I think bigger no. was just, um, you know, again, in this this theme of characters we like doing things we don't necessarily like, you know, we have John where we can understand his rationale and not even necessarily disagree with his reasoning. But the fact that we just saw this village get slaughtered and John is agreeing, no, we can't go help them. You know, As so again, it's like we, yeah. we know why he made that decision and we don't even necessarily fault his reasoning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he, he's saying it right with the kid right next to him. It's like he's got his arm hold, almost holding him. Sorry, kid. We're going to have to let the Thens eat your parents. Well, and that's the thing yeah. is that his parents were already dead. You know, he probably didn't want anybody that could protect him to go running at them anyways. I mean, that, that's pretty Well, possible. but the problem, yeah. this is not the only village. Well, no, of course not. But yeah. Well, my problem with that, with that, his decision on that is the idea of okay, we know that this is the raiding group that you were with, and this is our chance to stop them before they can do what they might need to do to help Mance in their attack on the wall. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying okay, we can we can do this and and take out this this threat from this side. He says, oh, no, we have to stay here and hunker down, and, and I, I had a problem with that. Well, but remember, too, though, that last season when uh, he was still with them, he mentioned to Tormund, um, hey, if we kill this guy who's breeding the horses, um, they'll send a party out to, to, like, to look for us. And what Tormund said at that point is, I hope they do. It's easier to fight them if they're out in the open instead of hiding in a castle. And so he knows that sending a raiding party after a raiding party puts them on equal ground instead of saying we're in a castle and they're not. Um, so I think that uh, there's that aspect of it too, where the cold strategy of it, I don't know that he made the wrong decision, but it's also just hard to say all of these poor villages are undefended and the, this raiding party is just going to cut a swath through them on their yeah. way to us. Mm -hmm. Not a not a typical Stark decision. Well, but I mean, it was happening anyways. It just wasn't happening in this number. Mm -hmm. Well, but uh, again, it's just it's it's the idea of knowing about an injustice and deciding not to do anything about it. It's it, it's again, it's like I'm not even saying necessarily that it's the wrong call, but just think about the decisions where uh, Rob or Ned had the honorable decision or the smart decision, which one did they make? Mm -hmm. So I just think yeah. it just draws a contrast between how John is acting. And that's all I'm observing. I'm not saying yeah. he's wrong to make this call. I'm just saying he's making a different sort of decision than probably his father would have. Mm -hmm. I, I Sheriff, Sheriff Bullock in the chat well, says he wasn't raised as a Stark though. So he would. Sheriff Bullock in the chat says, uh, we don't have the men to defend small folk and Castle Black. I'm surprised no one looking at you, John, didn't think to bring the small folk to Castle Black and protect them there, Helm's Deep style. So, 
Good comment. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to say about uh, John's behavior is it shows how much he has matured. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out because the people that he seemed to always be at odds with, he's now agreeing with. And I think that it might be interesting to see if they change their perspective on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely like John more this season, of course. Oh, yeah. He's, he's not emo John anymore, so I'm, I'm happy about <laughs> that. And he's not banging your girl either. That's <laughs> because she's mad. Oh, and again, it's like I said, I keep talking about characters that I like doing things that I don't like. How about a grit oh, yeah. with that writing party? Yep. So, yeah. So back to the wildlings. Uh, they show a a cute little boy and dad talking about the upcoming dinner. And then we get the oh boy, arrow, potatoes. Through, <laughs> arrow, arrow through the head, neck area falls it's a down. Good reminder that she's a wild. They show, yeah, they Can show uh, go back in this video and make an animated gif of what Christiana just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, not only is she a wildling, but she's a woman scorned right now. I think she's just angry at the world generally right now. Mm-hmm. Rampage. <laughs> yes, and uh, we had I um, <laughs> see her no. killing kids and and women and all that other stuff. But I'm just like, you go with grit. You get your country. <laughs> <laughs> you kill the you kill that little oh, kid, innocent yeah. father. If they were yes, and we had uh, and we had steer the fen uh, with the great lines of. Are those your parents over there? Mm-hmm. I'm going to eat your mama, and then I'm going to eat your papa. <laughs> it was just, ouch. That was fucked up. <laughs> He's pretty well yes. spoken for a cannibal wildling. Yeah, and that yeah. kid ran his ass off, too. Yeah, he certainly... Uh, like you would. He certainly ran well, didn't he? But, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think that is all in Westeros, and then we can go over to Essos. And um, well, we didn't talk about Tyrion and Pod in the dungeon. Yeah. Oops, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, that's that's major. Or Thank Stannis. And... Oh yeah, or, or Stannis. Stannis. That was... hey, sorry, we're not going to make the two. No. <laughs> so let's do uh, Stannis first and Davos. So we have a scene with uh, Stannis and Davos. Um. um. Without hating the scene, I feel like it was kind of a long scene to get to the ultimate punchline, which is Davos has a new idea related to the Iron Bank. Yeah, so we have a little bit of a payoff with the mention of the Iron Bank in the previous episode by Olena. Mm -hmm. Um, They, uh, um, yeah, the first scene was, I mean, there was a great line, which we've all said that where Davos is like, hey, you know, your priestess, she's got power. And, uh, you know, we got dead kings and what have you, but without men on the ground, soldiers win wars. We need soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did think it was a very bad line or just not, not, you know, the whole idea where he says, Stannis is like, um, seriously, we're running out of time, uh, uh, which means you're running out of time, Davos, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, but. Um, I think though that uh, without having the show having so the show has not connected all the dots for us but all of the dots are there to know what Davos's idea is do you have any inkling there Chooch or what do you think 
Uh, well, that sounded like he was, you know, taking out a loan to hire in the guns to fight. Close, but what we also remember, and I'm just reminding you of things that we've discussed uh-huh. in the show, is remember how much money the Westeros throne in particular owes the Iron oh, Bank. Yeah. We had Elena talking to Tywin and he's saying, oh, I'm not worried about the Iron Bank and right. how much money we owe them. And she's saying, you're pretty stupid if you're not worried. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. maybe Stannis doesn't actually need a loan. Maybe he just needs, hey, you guys, you're not going to get paid unless I'm sitting on the throne. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Iron Bank is China. <laughs> <laughs> Is anybody else bothered by the fact that um, at the end of last season, Davos is sort of given a reprieve because they receive a message from the wall saying, we're about to be attacked. We need help. And the fact mm-hmm. that all Stannis has talked about so far, that as we've seen him, is the idea is I need to you know, protect my claim to the throne rather than I need to raise an army to go to the wall if that's what's is what you're getting out of the end of last season. Yeah, which is a little yeah. weird because Melisandre was like, oh, fuck, to the wall now, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. They, they 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 fudged the timing a little bit because there was um, there was a big chunk of stuff that Stannis did in the book that where we didn't know what he was up to, but we're seeing, seeing yeah. scenes with them in the show at that point. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with Stannis and Davos right now we didn't see in the books. We weren't sure what they were, what they had going on at this point. And so um, I think that is resulting in them having to fudge the timeline a little bit to make the climax of that arc line up with the other climaxes in the season, I think is kind of what's going on. Yeah. I, I, I was having the same feelings that PG was having and last episode or the first two episodes, I would like, they're still working on getting there. They're they're gonna do something. They're gonna do something. And then when Stannis said today, or today, <laughs> in this episode, how he can't <laughs> help the wall if he doesn't have a claim, so he's got to push his claim. And I'm like, oh come on, what what what? You guys were ready to go. You were packing your bags. You got the fire <laughs> under you, and now you're like, yeah. um. Wait, I just got to do a couple things. Um, I left the oven on, and um, I got to drop the mail off. And and I don't, I don't mind the fact that maybe you have to raise an army to mm-hmm. actually have a reason or a you know be able to affect things at the wall if it's about to be attacked. I don't but know. He idea, could probably just go up there and scowl at them, and they. That, that's true, but the, <laughs> the, the idea that that, that 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 isn't even mentioned is oh, I have to. Joffrey's dead. I have to protect my claim. And maybe Joffrey dying changes everything for him. And he's not thinking so much about the wall right now. So I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, we did, uh, uh before I go away, share a book uh, about the wildling scene. The wildling scene w- was awful, but we needed it because we spent too much time with you grit and torment. And we were starting to forget their values. This was the episode that made us reevaluate characters. We were beginning to like. Exactly what I was saying earlier. This is a whole theme. This episode mm-hmm. of characters that we're we either already like or or we're starting to like that are doing things that we kind of say, hmm, I don't know about that. And in some cases, ew, that's awful. <laughs> yep. And Christopher Moore says, my wife was asking me what the wildling plans were. So are they just gonna try and kill everyone? 
Then what? Huge. So. Huge. What do you understand the wildling plan to be? They're taking back their rightful home. They, it's fucking cold up there, you know? Yeah. Plus, plus frozen zombies. Frozen yeah. zombies, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right. up to this point, I think that uh, it's safe to say that they have been just trying to get on the other side of the wall to get away from the White Walkers and the Dead Army mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they realize that they have to do it in mass. That's Well, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is they've got a lot of people that they want to get south of the wall. And the the watch knows full well that if you take that many wildlings and put them south of the wall, that's not going to go very well for the people who are already there right now. Right. Um, because the wildlings, you know, uh, although we can, you know, we, we've talked in the past about how just being born north of the wall certainly doesn't make them bad people necessarily, but they certainly do have a different culture. That would. <laughs> um, well, Sam said it. He said the realms of men and it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, they weren't trying to keep, the men out necessarily. But I think the problem is, is like, even if we wanted to say, oh, sure, we can understand they want to get away from the frozen zombies, so let's let them through. But there's just so many people that would be coming through that, I mean, unless you have some sort of a real plan um, for how to deal with that many people, it's going to be just catastrophic. I guess what's probably going to happen is that they're just going to wreak havoc I don't know. I guess I feel kind of like they're trapped on the other side of the wall and it's almost like a Berlin wall kind of a thing that, yes, it's going to be fucked up, but they probably shouldn't have been walled off for so long anyways. Well, no, I agree. I'm just saying, what is the wildlings plan to get south of the wall with all their people? And so they're going to try to kill the people at Castle Black so they can open the gate and bring all their people south of the wall. I think that's that's the extent of their plan. Giants and the mammoths, too. You know, anyone who wants to come. Yeah. Party. <laughs> Tunnel isn't that big. But uh yeah, That's so uh Davos uh leaves uh Stannis and goes for a uh, a reading lesson. Which uh although I, I like Tywin and uh Oberyn scene together, that whole interplay, this was probably my favorite scene because I just love Shireen. Outlaw <laughs> country. And, uh, <laughs> it's, but uh yes the the yeah and the line of you know you won't be a very good hand if you see the word knight and say knigget yeah, that sort of thing so that was uh, one of two uh, monty python references this episode ah uh, yes i didn't even get that until you just said that or remember that Wait, what was i just thought he said he said knigget uh, the other one was one time. more subtle but uh, uh i think just the um the uh, the marine champion being shown in extreme long shot and the repeated oh, okay. cuts of <laughs> charging, I, I I felt like there was kind of a callback there, even though they didn't do it quite like the joke in Monty Python, where they actually we'll have a re- cut back to him and he's actually <laughs> farther away. Yes, yes. Yeah, but I just mean the extreme long shot where we don't even see his face. He's just way off in the distance, I thought was kind of... Silly in a way that I enjoyed, but it just definitely made me think of Monty Python, especially with being primed it. for it with Knigget. We we can talk about it when we get there, but I yeah. think I remember in the books that having to do with arrow range and him not wanting to get out of protection or something mm. like that. But uh, now that you pointed out, I, that's all I'm going to picture. 
him with two coconuts. Speaking of arrow range, Daenerys is not being very careful there. No, no. no. <laughs> they could have just put an arrow through her neck, and that would have been it. Done. She used to be a Khaleesi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to Shireen and, and Davos. They uh, have their little reading lesson. Um, he starts reading about the adventures, life and adventures of Elio Grivas first sort of bravos and they talk about the differences between smuggler and pirate which i love those lines and then uh he says stannis doesn't appreciate the finer or the what does he say the finer intricacies of of bad behavior or whatever something like that yeah um but he starts talking about the being bravos once and uh um you know the the idea that the uh, talking about the Iron Bank in reference to the the first sword, and uh, then talks about the boats, and then he sort of puts two and two together about Iron Bank and money and needing money, etc., and uh, moves on from there. So I just thought that was all well played. Just the you know you have all, lots of shows, movies, whatever, where you have that sort of realization type you know moment. And it just comes across as just you know a movie, but it, you actually could see it in his eyes, and I thought it was just well played. And mm-hmm. All that, of course, we all love Davos, so yeah. Um, so, was there anything else anybody wanted to say about that scene before moving on to Tyrion? Mm-hmm. Okay, with so Tyrion we have, and Plaid, we get another throwing rocks at Numeria scene. I know, we got the old <laughs> yeller scene again and again and again. Although so, I guess he wasn't really mean to Podrick so much. No. Yeah. He was stern. He was Still like, telling him to go man. away, though. He was stern, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't him need your death on my conscience. Like, yeah, really, when he says, this, this is farewell, that was sort of like, Oh, now I want to hear from you guys, though, because some of the some of the write ups that I read interpreted that a little differently than I did. Some of them thought that he was telling Pod to take the deal, like to actually take it, Mm -hmm. whereas my thinking was he's telling him, tell them you're taking it and then get out of town not actually take it and testify against me. He's saying well, he they're going to kill you if you don't go along with it, so you need to get away. But the truth is they would kill him even if he does go along with it. He's going to end up... Cersei's not well, going to have why. He, that's why what I'm saying is right. Tyrion is not telling him to take the deal. Tyrion is telling him to get out of town and I can do whatever understand. you need to do to not get killed in the meantime. I can yeah. understand why people thought that because that's what I initially thought. But then when he said, you know, get away... Mm-hmm. You know, I, but yeah, I, up until that point, I thought it was pretty clear that he was. I, I agree. You know, he you can't it sounds yourself. at first like he is just saying, take mm-hmm. their deal. Yeah. Do what you can yeah. for you because I'm fucked. I, I took it as if you take it, I'm not going to get mad at you, but I don't want you dead. So no matter what you do, just get the hell out of here. And so, similar to what Christiana said, like, I think that, I think that if, Tyrion saw Pod at the trial. He wouldn't feel betrayed, but I think that he hoped that Pod would get the hell out of Dodge. Because yeah, and I think that's that. That's sort of what I got what I got out of it. He was he was almost saying by saying, "Well, that sounds like a good deal." He was almost like in not saying it straight out, but sort of giving him permission. If that's the way you go, I'll understand. Mm-hmm. 
But when it gets right down to it, he's like, no, talk to Jamie and get the hell out because you're in danger because if they're offering you this and you've said no, because at one point yeah. he didn't, he said he didn't answer, but then he said, oh, I already gave him my answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when he said, no, you need to get the hell out of Dodge because, you yeah. know, if, if you said no, then you're in trouble. Well, he's, it's also, it's kind of like pod where he starts talking about all of these things that he did and he's like, and you didn't do it, right? You know, it's like, he's like, no, I didn't do it. You know? like, God's willing to back him up, whether he did it or not. He's pretty sure he didn't. But, you know, either way, you know. He, it was also a nice little moment, though, having Tyrion kind of walk through the suspects, though. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, it's a little bit of a, well, you know, you always wondered what you could uh, do if you went across the narrow sea. Maybe you could be a private eye. <laughs> um. But yeah, so it was, I it was also just I, I I enjoyed the bit where he's saying whatever else you might say about Cersei, she does love her children, and so I think yeah. we can rule her out as a suspect in this particular murder, <laughs> which makes it unique. Which, in yes, King's Landing. <laughs> King's, <murder. laughs> King's Landing. Yeah, that was so uh, awesome. My favorite part was the, just the the immediate recognition when Podrick says that Oberyn is going to be the third judge, and he's just like, "Well, leave it to Tywin to use a family emergent, you know, family uh, <laughs> uh, thing to take advantage of the political." I mean, just yeah. that he he made that connection right away, and just you know. Although that. he's a little bit off base there, because we saw that Oberyn was not especially interested in being a judge; he was much more interested in a getting to meet and confront the mountain and be being on the small council. Being a judge was more like, why would I want that? That doesn't do me any any good. Right, but I just mean the idea that that Tyrion would make the leap to understand our dad is making this, you know, using Mm -hmm. this to his advantage. Already seeing that next step of why he would be a judge, and that you know, it's the wheels are in motion. Sacrificing him. What what I think is kind of surprising to see though here, and and again, it's not. This this is. You know, we can absolutely understand and even think he's right here, but Tyrion seems to have pretty much given up. He thinks they got me this time. There is nothing I can do. That seems like to be how he's acting. Yeah. Yep. Well, and yeah. I think that I think that Tyrion is is so baffled by this. I mean, as as he says, he's like, if I were going to assassinate someone, I would not leave myself looking befuddled at the scene of the crime. And I think um, as much as he had hard times with Joffrey and there was definite hate between them, in the end, I think that Tyrion is still blown away and shocked that this has happened. And it's still a family member. And Tyrion is devout to his family. And, and, you know, he's like, my nephew's got... Well... I, I don't know. So. I don't think he would have actually poisoned um, Joffrey. No, no. But I don't think he's sorry that it happened, other than the fact that he's getting blamed for it. Well, I yep. think I think he's shocked. He's he's taken aback. Um, I do think that even with all of their misdealings um, for a long time, he was still trying to educate Joffrey, and it wasn't until the up until the the very end with the wedding that he realized this is a lost cause. Um, so I, I think he still has some care 
Um, maybe that's me projecting my feelings onto a tiger. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you might be right. I, I didn't read it that way, but I, I can, you know, you know, I'm not the authority. It's all an opinion, right? It's like uh, the only one, Tyrion is the only one who loves those kids more than Cersei does. Yeah, that that's always been my feeling. Do you, more than Cersei? I no, mean, maybe Tommy. I mean, I mean, I mean Cersei is the only one who loves them more than Tyrion does. Yeah, like he's kind of second like, than anybody else in King's Landing. See, like my my read on it is he doesn't like the idea that a, a king getting murdered under his nose. That's certainly a blow to his family's power in general. And also having such a big thing happen that he wasn't aware of is not flattering to his own ability to stay on top of things. But I don't think he misses Joffrey at all, not even a little. I think he's probably glad Joffrey is dead, except in that he's getting blamed for a murder now and there's going to be chaos resulting from it. Um, I don't think he would have done it himself but I don't think he mourns for Joffrey at all. In my opinion, that's my read of it. But yeah. and I, I think that uh, I think he had given up educating Joffrey since um, I, like, I want to say his own wedding with Sansa, but maybe even before that, I think after that, it's all just a matter of let's try to manage the situation as opposed to redeem the person. That, that's my read of it, but again, mm-hmm. it's complex. Okay. I agree with you, Christiana, as far as Tyrion's view on that. Um, yeah, they keep, they bring up a couple times there the, the poison called the Strangler, uh, which is the first time it's mentioned in that regard. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to see. I mean, the idea that the that they would already be going to Podrick to say, hey, come out and say that he bought this particular poison, which I guess they have decided this is the poison that killed uh, killed Joffrey. Um, mm. So that's interesting. Um, well, I also like the idea that like, it might well be, as far as we know, you know, it's given that we haven't seen firsthand evidence, but it's almost like the idea of, it almost doesn't even really matter at this point if that's what it was or not. They've decided mm-hmm. that's what it was, and they're going to make sure that there's evidence to support that narrative, mm-hmm. in, independent of whether that was actually what it was or not. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I still want it to be the pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my theory well, could be correct. The, the strangler could be in the pie. Um, one true. thing that Peck has said to me recently, and and I have been having this concern growing uh pod is looking more and more like gendry every episode yeah and half yeah. the time i think it's gendry walking in and i'm like what oh right they're two different people and it really freaks me out and i don't know if i'm the only one thinking this no no you're you're not you're no, not i, I definitely I mean, as soon as we saw him this season i was i was thinking he's starting to be better looking than I ever imagined pod to be. I always oh, kind of imagined pod is a little dopey looking um, and uh, ordinary looking otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think the actor's still doing a fine job, but I think it's just a case of they, they cast someone who yeah. is young and as he is getting older, he is turning more into a 
sort of person that they may, you know, if they were casting pod now, they might've picked someone else. Yeah. Um, but they had cast him already and they want to continue with the same actor, which I think is good, but it also just means that he is, he's diverging from the way we expected pod to look. I could be wrong, but I could be wrong, but I don't think he's, he probably has Gendry abs. So (laughs) I think it's more facial, uh, yeah, uh, face facial features very similar. Well, we did hear that he was uh, he he pleased the. Uh, <laughs> That's the true. That's right. he, so he's got something. I don't going think on. there was any. Yeah, I don't think Abs had anything to do with that though. Mm. Um. So, I just I'm just remembering Varys going. What did he do? To- <laughs> <laughs> it's the ne- Christopher Moore says it's the Neville Longbottom effect. Totally. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you so and from earlier, Sheriff Bullock says, I'm still in awe of Tormund's beard. Chooch, that is, that's your cosplay outfit. <laughs> I get a vote on that, and um, that's a lot of beard. Going to out, baby. Up with. No. <laughs> uh, so Daenerys. Yep. Finally reaches uh, Marine. Mm-hmm. Got the probably my the you know it looked great and everything, but what I really like most they have the shot of the naked statue pillars holding up, and you sort of have this perspective, and the doors open, and that horse comes out, and it's just little itty bitty horse. <laughs> and I'm that's, like, that's I was that's like, kind damn, of exactly that's... what I was getting at is just how he's only ever that guy's only yes. ever shown an extreme long shot, like so. Um, but you know, it looks like when they show her walking, you know. Mm-hmm. At first, and we're like, "Oh yeah, she's way too close. She's t- too close to the arrows." But then, well, you know, also the, like the, once the Dario wins and they fire the arrows to like say, "Don't come over here," like Daenerys is really only like twenty yards from where those arrows land. If they that. could have easily hit her if they aimed at her at that. No, that was as far as it could go. That was the that was the the range, and they knew that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't feel like it, it didn't show if that was the intent it didn't show it visually very well I didn't get that but I thought Marine did look great oh yeah and the thing that I loved about this scene actually is on the one hand it you know we've apparently completely lost the character of strong Belwas from the book which is a yeah. little bit sad because he's fun but um yeah. you know at the same time he's not hugely incidental in the plot so i think he's an easy character to to cut and just the the little um rationale she goes through to have dario um take on the champion i feel like really perfectly illustrates what's going on with her and dario and how dangerous it is because on the one hand you could read it as oh, well, he's the one that's expendable, so who cares? But on the other hand, he's the one that's special, that she allows to do what he wants Mm -hmm. to impress her, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the others where, like, no, you stay here. You are my closest friend. Yeah, he's the one that's special and gets to go out and be a badass. And the Mm -hmm. fact that he's volunteering and she lets him do it and then he does it so stylishly is exactly I, like you know we've talked a little bit about how even that we haven't seen it really play out much yet ah uh, 
Dario is so dangerous for Daenerys. <laughs> and we can I, I love how they're planting the seeds for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. And and I'm but, not saying that as a spoiler because yeah. I, I'm I'm really just saying it as like at this point in the books, that's exactly where it's it's playing out too. And and you know, when we're in her head in the chapters, she's thinking this stuff directly, which is like, you know, he's probably not good for me, but Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I thought that that whole little conversation, the subtext behind the, oh, he's the one that I can, I can, who's expendable. So I'll have him do it. But the subtext yeah. there, having it really be all about, he's the special one that I'm going to give mm-hmm. the special mm-hmm. treat to. Yeah. I, agree, I agree with Mike McCauley in the chat who says that the, as far as the horse charging scene, that was a little, to Raiders of the Lost Arkish for me. Uh, yeah, my problem, it wasn't a problem. I, I, I would have, li- I, li- I love the whole horses are dumber than men and him throwing the, the, you know, his, the same blade from last season that, uh, you know, the other actor had uh, through the horse's eye and the, you know, the fact that the guy gets knocked over. But I would have liked mm-hmm. to have seen a little bit more of a, a fight after that buildup. Uh, I understand Christiana, blah, you know, I said, but well, I, see, I, would have, I, I feel like I would have liked to have seen something. Like that. That was that way. I think it's the, I, because I think it's exactly the sort of thing that Dario would do is that it was cool given that it worked, but it was also very reckless and kind of stupid. And so the fact, I think that he is exactly the sort of person for whom the, the math of, well, I might get killed, but if this works, I'm going to look like an incredible badass. <laughs> and he is exactly the sort of guy that would make that decision every time. Yeah. And again, I did, I did like the, the coolness of the horse thing. I would just like, to, instead of just the rolling through the d- dirt, standing up, getting head chopped off, I would have liked a little bit more. more uh, yeah, it, it was um, almost uh, like, a challenge. Uh, like in Thor 2, uh, him taking out the rock monster thing. Mm-hmm. A giant rock monster stomps up and he's just like yeah. else? primary yeah. audience is Danny and but there mm-hmm. is a bigger audience and he's like how badass do you look now does mm-hmm. your army look you know and then he pisses yeah. back at him you know that's badass and again major character we don't get to see the penis character is uh, getting killed you get to see the penis come on I'm okay with you that penis sorry you're not what you saw just the tip. Oh, did they show? I, I didn't catch that. Sorry. Um, I was watching it in my head. I hear Archer, just the tip. Yeah. Just, <laughs> like, yeah. Nameless oh. guy had the tip, but I don't think Dario did. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Side I think we only saw it from. <laughs> further yeah. Away. I thought I saw it. Yeah. Oh. I clearly didn't pay you were, attention. You were, you were pausing <laughs> and sort of like me trying to count the deaths in the episode. You were pausing, uh. pausing the. Uh, uh. the HBO That'll be easy. Ha ha. Getting the back. Problem to that I had. Uh, no, the uh, one quick thing, and I'm done. Done yapping about this, but the one problem I had with the with the blocking was the whole guy charging on horse. Danny stands ten feet behind the guy that the horse is coming at. That is yeah. completely stupid. <laughs> Just so you could have the cool. Let me look over my shoulder and wink at you moment, which mm-hmm. again was was cool, but you know. She should not have been standing at she that point. I had moves. Don't forget in the last episode when she was, or maybe it was the beginning of this one, when she walks, she's waiting with the army and 
Grey Worm and, and Dario are having that stupid contest since yeah, midnight. Episode one. She's walking through the entire encampment by herself. It's just her and Masende. No guards, no no romance novel leads or anything. I mean, she's literally by herself. And how do they know she's already had, you know, multiple attempts on her life? How do they know somebody doesn't sneak in? Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, walking around without guard. I, I agree with you on that point, totally but the whole, I, you know, if, if, if somebody is coming on a horse with and, and Lance and it's not like the horse is going to stop 10 feet, mm-hmm. you know, before he reaches the horse reaches, uh, oh. And Dario, it's going to keep going. What and I'm saying is, I think that she has a false sense of her immortality. I think that she's I, I agree, putting herself into some crazy I, bullshit. I think you're exactly right, Viv, and I and I think we're supposed to we're supposed to notice and feel that way because, and and I think again, it's another illustration of why Dario is so dangerous because he always acts like that, like he's mm-hmm. he's immune to danger, and I think that you know he she's going to feel more like that the more time she spends with him. And I think it is a risk um, because, you know, it's, you know, again, like this is not a spoiler. It's just what we're seeing on screen is that, yeah, she's She's walking around like, you know, all it took when Dario first showed up is if he was going to kill her, he would have, and she'd be dead because he snuck in just fine. And so to assume that that could never happen again, just because this particular guy's on her side now, it seems so she, I think she is bought in fully to this idea that she's got a destiny and she's doing this whole thing. And I think she's letting that blind her to the possibility that there might be other people who had destinies for a while and then got killed. Yeah. Well, I think if they were going to, if they were, if that was the goal and I'm not, I, I see I see your point and I, I, I don't disagree in that, but I think that they should have had Barristan dragging her out of the way or at least yeah. attempting to rather than her just standing there and, and then making letting the, her. So Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like the, the the blocking was not great when it comes to that. It's just like I was saying with the arrows earlier, is mm-hmm. it just feels like it it was you know, it, it's one thing to say you're you're doing it for the visual effect, but uh, you know, at yeah. some point, you kind of want there to be some s- con- story consistency too. Yeah, which um, I, you know, it's a minor point I thought, but so you've got this, you know, the quick battle, the dispatching of the champion, and then you have the speech of Danny, which I I feel is a little, I I just find it humorous because you know one of the complaints about this whole storyline is the idea of okay this is sort of repetitive and even her speech is repetitive i went to this city and i freed the slaves and then i went to this city and i freed the slaves and now i'm here and i'm going to free the slaves but she's still handing it out <laughs> <laughs> but i just think it's funny that she even play or you know comments on what some people complain about these mm-hmm. sort of you know, well, spinning your wheels nature of her storyline, which you know, I'll go ahead and be that's good or bad. The Danny speechifying apologist, though, because <laughs> any other complaints I had about like the blocking of the scene, anytime she's given those declarative speeches, I am still sold. I'm, I'm bought in. I think that oh, yeah. they, can, no, I- they, they probably cast her, you know, partly on looks because she looks good. And partly because she can do those speeches because yeah. those are pretty awesome. And I, every time yeah. I'm sold, so she hasn't, 
He hasn't uh, given a clunker yet, as far as I'm concerned. No, I, <laughs> I agree no with that. I agree with that, and, and yeah, especially when she's speaking Valerian, and it 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 sounds. I mean, they've done a great job of making it sound as regal a language where you don't understand what the hell they're saying as as mm-hmm. any language, you know, just like the Dothraki was guttural and and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this was Valerian is is perfect as far as uh, how it is delivered and how it sounds, and she does a great job of that. Um, so after her speech, pulls out the uh, the uh, um, engines, the catapults, and and you think, oh my god, she's gonna hurt these slaves that she's just told that she's there to help, and then. Uh, the barrels hit the wall and the, the broken, uh, neck chains, whatever, whatever you want to call them, uh, come out and, and they, the slaves all see that they, that it's all these, uh, uh, broken collars. So they, uh, mm. uh, a good lead up to next episode, I'm sure. Um, it's not just words. They turn their heads. They look at the, the masters. It was, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And yeah. as Nicole says, uh, we're seeing some of the ridiculous outfits already too. Yeah, <laughs> that that is definitely I'm, one I'm of the excited. things from the books is that the the togas that the the masters and the upper class wear in marine are just they are complicated to the point of being incredibly impractical. They're like they're hard to put on. They're hard to keep on and they're hard to move around in. And that's on purpose because the only possible people that could put up with clothing that complicated is people who really don't have anything else they need to do. Mm-hmm. The idle rich. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I agree. I liked that we were seeing um, some of the ridiculous outfits. Yeah. So Chooch, you've been a little quiet. We've been hogging the conversation here. Was there any anything else you wanted to say about the the episode that we didn't touch upon? Uh, no, I think we really covered everything. Um, Very cool. Yeah, and I really liked the the collars. I think that was just a brilliant move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was cool. I don't. Uh, you'll have to tell me. I don't remember that from the book. I think that was something they did just for the yeah, show. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they did that in the book. Not that I remember. A, if they did, it wasn't a big. I mean, it was more right. of a, a siege, which they still might just have a big siege yeah. where they're outside the city for a long time. I don't know, but I, I don't mm. remember that 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 play on the whole idea of the uh, broken collars. And- well, there are a number of things that are different in a significant way that we'll have to see how they decide to play it out. Because in the books, she still didn't actually know who Barristan was. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. yeah. So uh, that you know that played into some of it, like. In the show, there was no way they could do that because we recognize the actor. Mm-hmm. But so they they let it slip that we know who he is way earlier. But in the books, we still didn't know. Um, we knew that he was, you know, he went by like Arston Whitebeard or something exactly. like that. Yeah, and so yeah, and so that plays into some of what happened in the book. But given that she knows that, they're gonna have to change some of that. Um, definitely. And I'm, so I'm interested to see how it, how it plays out differently. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sheriff Bullock making me laugh again with the hashtag Occupy Marine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, 
Ah, and Mike does make a point. I think there might have been too many, but I, 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 that is a thought I had was kind of nitpicky, but perhaps the barrels were filled with collars from the hung corpses on the way to Marine. So. Ah, yeah, she did say I, to remove yeah. the collars before they buried them. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's that what they were because they, they threw way too collars. many. Because there were what, like 160 something? They're saying, yeah, they're the saying how many they walls? Maybe huh? had some but spares. Well, I from the billion slaves that she's already freed, I'm sure it was pretty easy to. Like, didn't we already discuss that nobody knows how to count but maesters? That's true. <laughs> Westerosi counting systems aren't aren't the best, but um, yeah. So uh, that was uh, Breaker of Chains. Uh, we had our contest last week. Everybody sent me or did the survey, so I'm very happy. Yeah. Um, I'm also very happy. I will have to forward my survey to uh, to uh, uh, you guys because I actually won <gasps> both. Recount. Yes. Wow. So, you have a, a um, separate. So the guesses were. Um, I had oh, seven. Was confusing. <laughs> I had seventeen deaths. Wait, no, I didn't win both. 17 went over. I didn't win. There were 17 deaths in this episode? No, no. Well, if you're counting all of the people killed by the wildlings, certainly. No, but that would be on-screen deaths, not on-screen dead bodies. So we'll get to that. But anyway, so I had 17 deaths, five and a half boobs. Christiana had two of each. (laughs) I don't mean that you have to had two of each. She has two deaths that she has yeah, I don't have two deaths that I know of. Uh, Nutty guessed three deaths and five boobs. Viv guessed 50 deaths and four boobs. And Chooch said 178 deaths <laughs> and zero boobs. So, by my count. Where was everybody expecting there to be a big battle? I wasn't. Uh, you know. From the previews, you definitely yeah. thought that might be. Yeah, I, might I, be thought, I thought she would be invading Marine, that it would be. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was thought, a, uh, definitely a, a. I thought we had a big death last uh, week, so we wouldn't have too many. So I figured three that's, is a nice conservative number. Yeah, that's where I was. No boobs I last, year, last week, so I thought we'd have lots of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what I had was I counted seven boobs. Um, we had two in the, in the first scene where we had, uh, um, in Molestown, we had two with the person sitting on the lap and then we had one because she was the diagram for that. Yes. She was covering her other boob with a cup that she was pouring stuff out of. And you never actually saw the bare boob. Wow. Specific. Then you had the four boobs (laughs) in, uh, Oberon's (laughs) brothel, those two girls there. So that was seven. (laughs) There was lots of, you know, people scantily clad, but not. Uh, I believe you were thorough. I have no <laughs> I doubt. Was, I was thorough. That's, that's his job. The death I count, counted, I'm not so sure, but the booby count. I counted. Deaths. We had Dantos. We had the wildling attack, which we actually had nine on screen deaths where people were actually, uh, you know, Death blows made, not just dead body on the ground. Uh, and then we had the the guy at the end. Um, you know, no confirmed barrel collateral damage deaths. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So that came <laughs> that ended up with eleven. So for the wow. contest, we had I like had it was five. Way higher than that, but I yeah. had five and a half boobs, which was just above Nutty's five. Yeah. I thought I might, we might get a side boob, half <laughs> nipple, not you know, not a full boob, but uh, so I get that, and then Nutty with her three deaths because uh, <laughs> we had zero and two were too low, Nutty and, and her three 50, deaths, fifty and one seventy eight went above, so a split. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> I know, Chooch was totally playing the whole let's make a deal thing. Well, our only real significant death though was was I mean, was Dantos in terms of like, you know, named character, right? Mm. And and I was thinking, RIP Sir Dantos, you will be missed, except, you know, eh. eh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we had seen a little more of you and you would have actually been the stool at the wedding for Tyrion to <laughs> There's also exactly what uh, Littlefinger points out is like for whatever else he said, he was basically following my orders for gold. So how much of a hero is he really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. At least oh, I always saw him like that. But Although I, I, certainly Littlefinger's going to, you know, we can also imagine that no matter what the truth is, he would spin it in a way that makes, you know, Santa is saying, he saved me, and Littlefinger's like, "Screw him! I saved you. I'm yeah. the one that paid him, or Remember you know, he, promised to pay him." He chose <laughs> the Mockingbird for his for his sigil, so it's not really a surprise. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! I'm so glad Littlefinger's back. He's so great. I know. <laughs> and yeah, based on what should be coming, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think for the rest of the season, if, yeah. if uh, we get that focus, so it's about to get interesting. Are are we doing uh, names of the next episode? For predictions or anything, I did. Yeah, what's, what I is the name of the next episode? The next episode is Oathkeeper. Yes, I knew that. Mm. Yeah. Oathkeeper. Chooch, what do you think that might mean? Uh, that's a good question. Ask Chooch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was good, Nutty. That was good, Nutty. <laughs> well, they tend to do multiple oathiness. Um, <laughs> I'm really wondering. Well, I, I think maybe with Danny, although now I can't know that it's a specific oath. I mean, she is the breaker of chains, so, but it seems like she had to have an oath in there somewhere. Um, but I'm wondering what's Jamie going to do? You know, is he going to run off to get Cersei? And the kind of like the preview they show, you know, or to get Cersei, to get Sansa, because Cersei says, go get her or whatever. Mm hmm. So what does Brienne do in that situation? Um, so we've got Jamie with all the oaths and then Brienne being very oathy. Look at Nutty. <laughs> Look at Nutty smiling to herself. That's not a giveaway, Nutty. I love she's, been, she's been looking forward to that, I think, very much from what I, if I had to guess. I love Chooch's predictions. It's, it's one of the reasons why I love IntroCast. I love hearing... <laughs> newbies speculate on things that I know mm. about so <laughs> not that I know how they're going to do uh, Oathbreaker or whatever I have my theories that I can't Oathkeeper sorry I have theories that I can't share but um, yeah thank you just on that <laughs> note like, um, my, uh, I, my my friend Mike that I do my talking about Survivor podcast with um, he's He's watching the show, but has not read the books. And so I asked him who he thought did it, re referring to Joffrey's murder. And he actually, his biggest suspect was Oberyn. Ah, so he was going down the Oberyn path. I like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if you guys, uh, listeners, if you are newbies and have not read the books, uh, send us who you think did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, we've got some hints that, uh, you know, Littlefinger clearly knows something. But he also appears to have been on a ship in the harbor, you know, immediately yeah. while it's going on. So he can't be a, the sole actor here. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping they have a flashback of Littlefinger baking a pie. <laughs> a giant pie. Now he flew in pot pie to make pot a pie. special. <laughs> pot oh, pie. pot pie. At least he's still alive, hopefully somewhere. Yeah. Inn or the Crossroads is not exactly not a safe place. You know, yeah. Lots okay. of stuff happens there. <laughs> so, um, based on the previews, which I didn't really see a whole lot of, um, let's see, what should we do for next? next Viv and I were talking about a little bit earlier. We were thinking uh, maybe we do the ice and fire thing. So, how many references to the north for ice? Because mm-hmm. counting ice yeah, was ridiculous. Wow. That didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, then the other was dragons. dragons. Yeah. Are we going to see some dry? How many dragons are we going to see next episode? Yeah. True. We did go a whole episode without seeing dragons. Mm-hmm. So chances are. So, well, the description uh, for next They may have flown all their dragon budget on that opening. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the, I uh, men- mentions or sightings of dragons. Would that be one? Is that what you were saying? Um, what did yeah. you think, Chooch? Was it uh, the initial thought writing? was sightings, but if we're saying references to the North, we could do references to the dragons. Mm-hmm. So define references to the North, I, since I have to do North of the Wall, sure beyond the Wall, North of Castle. Does it have to be in dialogue? I mean, like if we have a scene beyond the Wall, but they don't say that's where they are. Does that count? What do you say, PG? You have to count, mm. sucker. Because um, hmm. we were just thinking, I don't think seeing, yeah, I assumed I if say, somebody talks about, I would say words. Yeah, words. I would say I would say words. Words are good. Words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, words are good. They're closed so captions. Good. Words are you good. word good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by uh, the we way, some good stuff in the Q and A app. By the way, um, if, if anybody wants, anybody wants a good laugh, um, look at like the captioning they do, like the automatic cap captioning uh in on youtube for like our stuff uh, if you ever want to laugh just open that oh up no. and follow along it's hilarious we had, the way they translate some of the stuff oh, <laughs> Jesus. um yes uh the only, i only see one thing in there oath equals crows that's one thing you know it's that interesting it, that um different things uh, they seem to come through at different times because yeah. there were times before where you guys were talking about stuff that i didn't see in there yet I was going to say Christopher Morris has uh, my score for this episode just because I'm going to bed. Three out of five boys in Oberyn's bed. Yeah, I was actually just saving that, was, that for when we do oh, hours. See that? Well, you know, then you don't have to uh, say that you didn't see it in there. No, we'll uh, fix you, it in post. You made it sound like there was, there was there was several things, so I thought maybe I had missed something. Anyway, uh, yeah. So references to the North beyond the Wall. Okay. And then references or sightings of dragons. That's our contest. Okay. So ratings. But feel free to count boobs. <laughs> I'll be oh, I'll be counting. Too. Oh, both of yeah. you. Bye, oh my. Oh, yeah. Boobs and tips. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you guys, you guys had your bunk time. We need some bunk time. <laughs> Boobs and tips. Oh man, nice. <laughs> Ratings, nutty. You get to go first and take mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Well, it doesn't exactly work out because I didn't want to do the math, but uh, 6.5 gods out of 10 to fucking pray to and delay my supper. (laughs) (laughs) I like. Viv. Um, One out of three missing start girls. Aww. Pour some Alpo out for Nymeria. Oh, that's thirty-four percent. Okay, <laughs> thirty-three and a third, honey. Yeah, I'm rounding <laughs> up. Thirty-three. Oh, I forgot 30. you're doing that now. Chooch. Sorry, I'll try and keep them even. From the no, that's now. okay. I can do math. Yeah. Chooch. I'm gonna Perfect. go with seven bowls of rabbit stew. Out of ten. Out of ten. Oh, yeah. Very good. Christiana. I'm going to go with uh, 7 out of 10 as the odds that Dario's stupid knife-throwing trick was going to work. <laughs> I think it might have worked if he'd had a blue beard, maybe. Well, no, I mean, it, it clearly did work. I'm just saying, what were the actual odds that it was going <laughs> to? Yeah, I, yeah, I w- you actually in, sort of took mine a little bit because I was going to do 9, or excuse me, Six out of ten knives through through horse's eye, but I'll do uh, six out of ten bolts through Dario's cheek. Not Dantos's cheek. Oh, damn. <laughs> so, I was like, ouch. somebody's jealous that he's with the Khaleesi Dam right now. Yeah, Dantos's. Because he had, he had the one, <laughs> yeah. but he had the one that went right through his cheek. Or uh, maybe I could have done uh, seven out of ten crushed necklace jewels. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, I was refraining from. Uh, 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 6.5 out of 10 uh, peeing pythons. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I almost picked Mike's on there. 6 out of 10 <laughs> collar-filled barrels. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of pissing, uh, <laughs> Sheriff Bullock says, I liked many things but loved the Danny stuff and loved the D- Danny stuff but hated the Jamie Cersei rape. So I'm giving this one a 4 out of 10 Miranese pissing contests. Nice. I Very think good. I gave it the lowest rating of anybody. You did. Mm. You did. That's the lowest I think I've ever given one. Collectively, we gave this episode a oh, 60 you've given, you've given several zero because they raped your, <laughs> raped yes, your soul. You so. raped zero soul. For one. Well, I mean, as far as giving an official number. Yeah. Although the one that you gave a zero to, Chooch gave 200%. So that was a little <laughs> We balance each other out. <laughs> and Nicole, six out of ten. Peens! Nice. <laughs> Uh, Peens. Uh, we did. Uh, we did <laughs> have a little. Very often. We did have a one piece of feedback from the from the site. If I can pull it up real quick. Can you? I, uh, can I, you may. pull it up real quick? I don't know if I can. You. My Are browser is not opening. For entertainment, while you do this, audience can PG get it up. Phrasing. <laughs> or <laughs> I guess more appropriately, how long does it take PG to get it? PG, do you need Obviously, it's yourself? taking it up. Taking it up a notch. What? <laughs> up a what? <laughs> and we it's, don't even know how long ago he started. He could have started this an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not uh, coming up, so uh, I'm not going to worry about it. We'll, we'll do it next time. Quit oh, making so fun. Wise. 
You know we talked about doing a feedback episode all of last season and we never did. Huh. That's okay. okay. The 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 gist of it, no, our friend Nobilis um, was asking about um, what was he asking about? Now I can't remember. Okay, it's too late. Good uh, we got to say goodnight. PG. Yeah. Do you know where he remember. said it so we can go look? It was on the last the comments of last uh, episode. Something. Yeah, I remembered seeing the. Mumble and I responded to it. And I can't remember what 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 he asked. Good job. What he said. Uh, all right, something. here it, it is. It was about a point, it, point that Here's I made. Here's how long it took me. Okay, so on the topic of no more big baddie, he has the following to say. Joffrey was never a big baddie. He was a murderous little shit, but he was never very big. How many people did he betray? How many people did he kill or cause to be killed? How many people did he abuse? He killed a prostitute who was given over to him by someone who knew damn well what was going to happen to her. Before that, he'd abused a couple more. Mostly he, he defied defied and humiliated people who were his peers or close to his peers. Um, I disagree. I thought he did a lot of harm. No, Joffrey was never a big bad. His, his, he was like kinetic energy, though. His potential bad was immense. Can't, since you're doing uh, such a good job. was all Joffrey's idea. That was not the plan. He decided on a whim to do that. That was him. I think since you're doing, since you're doing such a good, good job reading, can you read my response, Viv? To no, I don't know how to quite finish it, but it's I, I didn't finish yet. Uh, Melisandre is a big bad with Stannis as her underling. The White Walkers together are a big bad. The Wildlings could be considered a big bad, though I have my suspicions. But Joffrey, Joffrey, sorry, Piker. <laughs> that's what that's what Nobilla said. Well, you know, I I can also see that like you know Tywin is really the power. You know, yeah. the uh, Joffrey was more like the wild card. But I would also just say. He caused plenty of damage all on his own. He did. Um, yeah. I so I I don't think we should diminish that. I feel like the only real big bads though are the the White Walkers. Maybe the Lord of Light. We don't know yet. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I'm, I can't pull up my response, but it, it was some of the of my. Oh, can you read it? <laughs> Thank you. Jesus, I was just reading it. <laughs> Yeah, that was just me saying that uh, Mel B. Melisandre. Melisandre. Wait, wait, wait. What is this? You're you're reading my response to Patman's thing. I agree with uh, what you're saying about Joffrey and his true power. I may not have represented my thoughts on that well enough. I wasn't trying to say that Joffrey was the big baddie as a reference to his power overall. More that he represented the one true presence in this show that the audience wholeheartedly hated and rallied against. Uh, Melisandre definitely has power, but there's some that don't even hate her and see her purpose. The White Walkers are definitely the true big bad, but they are nebulous and we haven't seen them since episode one of last season. That's Mm, not true. We saw them when Sam killed one last season. Still walking around in circles, (laughs) lost in a storm, I guess. I was trying to get out of the my question yeah. was more about the show's direction. Will it be able to keep everyone invested as easily with Joffrey gone? Most likely, but it's something to think about. Hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Nobilis, for the nice <laughs> yeah. question and feedback. Even though I was, you know, disagreeing with some aspects yeah. of you then, you know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, mainly I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that, yeah. Melisandre is a Spice Girl, says Nicole. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I call her Mel B. Sometimes I call her Scary Spice, so. 
Uh, Mike McCauley had uh, six out of ten extremely red cheek <laughs> tongues. <laughs> Thank you. That's been driving me nuts, Mike. Thank you. It was, well, it was so a blue last food. week, and now it's red. What did you eat? Well, we've been, we've, oh, fuck. I was going to say, That's we've been... I hey, that so, as yeah. always, we went two and a half hours, even though you know didn't didn't think we would this week after last week. <laughs> uh, always we wrong. Yeah, uh, there's the still. Distance. As <laughs> you can tell, if you're listening, if you're listening to this audio podcast, which uh, we've been getting out more regularly, thank you, Chooch, for all your hard work. Uh, we have fun. We have people that are asking questions and playing along as we talk. So. If you have time on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, we uh, record this live on Hangout and YouTube. So uh, uh, if you go to, uh, if you look up PG Holyfield at specficmedia.com on Google Plus, that's where the events start. And you can keep an eye on that for exact links and stuff if you don't go to the specficmedia.com website. Uh, for the post for this audio, uh, which will be up. In the next few days, you can make comments there. I'll have a survey up, try to get that up tomorrow with our contest questions. So if you want to take part in that as our viewers, listeners, then uh, please uh, fill that out. It'll, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, people that uh, made guesses and all that good stuff next time. So uh, we will see you next Wednesday uh, on Beyond the Wall. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everyone. If you'd like to send feedback to Beyond the Wall, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. That's btw at s-p-e-c-f-i-c-m-e-d-i-a dot com. Or you could send us a voicemail at 704-315-5884. Or you can comment on the web. Go to specficmedia.com and there you'll find a shiny little button to click on that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0, unported license. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.